Good evening, passengers, and welcome aboard Dub Talk Airlines, the premier airlines getting you from one place to another since 2016. Before we take off, I do want to give you a few announcements about our in-flight entertainment. Warning, the in-flight entertainment may contain strong language and situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Please see under your seat for proper equipment to block out these images or languages. Second, any and all spoilers may occur. If this happens, please find the nearest exit row and exit accordingly and return to our flight when you have watched said series. And finally, the opinions expressed by all flight attendants reflect they themselves and not Dub Talk Airlines as a whole. Now, I know your flight's a little slimy and a little bumpy, but I promise we'll be there soon. I think. Oh no, I think the airplane needs to use the restroom. Please gather your belongings and curl yourselves into a ball with them. It's going to be a rough landing. everybody and welcome aboard dub talk airlines the premier airlines telling you about the greatest and latest in dub announcements tonight i am your head captain megan in the front of the cabin we have amon duel hello flyers will amon go into a long divergent tangent about a musical genre that's only tangentially related to the show he'll try and stop himself don't worry <laughs> over the wings we have roots of justice there's a gremlin on the wing Wait, you saw it too? And in your rear, I mean the rear of the cabin, is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spite. <laughs> we only took off 20 minutes ago, and I'm already drunk. I don't know what's going on. Everything inside feels squishy. Sir, you need to sit down or we're going to turn the plane around. I'm already sitting down. You can't, you can't tell me what to do, you, you manie. You mean, meanie McMeanerson. Now we know that the cabin is kind of cramped, a little slimy and smells, but that's because we're talking about the dragon pilot tonight, boys. Oh, how do we get here? Oh, boy. Oh, no. Whoa. Oh, no. I'm inside a Doragon. When'd that happen? Ah, uh, hello, everybody. And I, of course, am Megan. And if the bad flight attendant joke didn't tell you, like, my thing, we are tonight talking about... The 2018 anime from Bones, licensed by Netflix, directed by the guy who did Shin Godzilla and written by Mario Kata, so strap yourselves in. This is gonna be wild. That's right. I, I'm sorry, I forgot the director's name. Shin Higuchi. Shinji Higuchi. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So, of course, tonight, I, I round up the two dudes who covered Shin Godzilla for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, because fuck it, why not? Um, Let's be real. I'm going to be real. It was either going to be me hosting this, or it was going to be you hosting this. Like, this was... I think when the seasonals for spring was coming out, I looked at the show, and everything about it was ticking off, like, every interest zone I think I have in shows. Cute characters. Check. Studio Bones. Check. Really good animation and really unique setup premise. Check. Also, Mario Kata, because Mario Kata always makes things really, really interesting. 
She's that woman has worked her way up, so bless her heart. Anyway, while well, Andrew shoots his mouth off here, I'll give you guys a quick spot summary of this. Hisone Amakatsu is a rookie in the Japanese Air Self Defense Force, where she is situated at the Gifu Air Force Base. She decided to join the force to distance herself from people as her whole life she found it difficult to interact with others due to her candid style of speaking and oftentimes hurtful words, despite that not being her intention. Hisone's decision leads her to a life, her life being changed when she uh, meets the OTF, the Organic Transformed Flyer, or a dragon inside the base chooses her to be his pilot, leading her to discover her destined role as a dragon pilot during the and during their ascension in the skies together. I can read. According to legend, dragons are thought to pros possess a key to unlocking the future of the world, and along the way, we'll meet adorable dragons. An anatomy lesson about the digestive system, workplace sexism, unexpected castaway references. Baby boomers harassing you, shipping wars, drinking and crying. The only way to kill a Nokia phone, NTR. Extreme scootering, secret lesbian relationships, human sacrifices, and a bunch of people who make up the extended family of the Matsu brothers. Spoiler warning, by the way! <laughs> <laughs> it's alright, that's why we have disclaimers. That was a really good awesome. abridged version of the show, wow. Okay. I may or may not have been watching a lot of Super Butter Buns videos lately. <laughs> Yeah, I can yeah, hear a bit of that. she got me into that. As did me. <laughs> shut, 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 shut. Everybody! Oh, like, the Breath of the Wild one is, like, the best. Yeah, by the way, if you don't know, Hisone is, like... Okay, there's, like, a spectrum of dumb anime millennials. <laughs> Young Wenlei is the one end of the quiet tire type, and then there's Hisone on the other. I'm in the Hisone camp. Oh god, I'm so far in the Young One Lee camp, it's not funny. I think I'm closer yep. to Hisone, but I can feel myself a couple notches to Young. Amon, where do you sit? I'm tired. <laughs> young it is. Anyway. Oh yeah, young I, had it to, is. I anyway. have to run the whole space armada myself? Oh. <laughs> not again. Fuck. Anyway, so tonight we're gonna start off with the director and the writer, the director and writers, as well as go through a lot of the cast. Um, unfortunately, there are two characters that we did want to talk about. Unfortunately, and I want to bring this up right now, uh, Netflix does a really shitty job crediting things. They're very bad. Like credit where it's due. There's a lot of central characters that are necessary. It's just like. There's a lot of, like, ensemble cast and crew that's, like... Yeah, and they're missing, and specifically the two characters that I'm talking about are going to be um, Ibushi and Hiroki Ikushima are not credited at all. There is an actor that has been liking tweets if he is uh, Ikushima, but I'm not taking that as an official confirmation for just 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 to be safe like i get they're liking tweets but then again it could just be because everybody keeps tweeting him so that being said we're gonna start off with the directors and writers like i said the director of the series is one miss carrie keenan and the two writers are erica mendez and christian lamont Carrie Keenan has been the director of both mobile suit gundam seed and seed destiny as well as the assistant adr director on the anime freedom Erica Mendes has wrote series such as Fate Apocrypha, Fate Last Encore, What the Fuck is Going On, and Little Witch Academia. 
Christian Lamont has wrote series such as Kaki Garui, Castletown Dandelion, and he was a writer on Skip Beat. So, we're going to do this in the order of Amon, then Andrew, then Roots, then myself. So, Amon, kick it off. Uh, this dub is an absolute delight. I loved every minute of it. Uh, it's it's just very fun. Uh, and part of that's that the show is pretty fun to begin with. But uh, I want to give I will give credit to how good an adaptation I think this is. In part because this is one of the few shows uh, recently that I've watched part of in the Japanese a little bit, just sort of for comparison. And I just want to give uh, credit to the writers on this for doing such a good job of punching up the dialogue without getting too far away from the. Uh, like actual content of what the Japanese version is saying. My favorite one being, I figured out it goes in the Japanese, but when Hisone is talking about yogurt, uh, she says something very, very like sensible, but you know, not super spectacular in Japanese. In English, she says something like, you know, I will support her. Like how this yogurt supports intestinal environments. Wait, that oh, that was oh, that that line was so good. <laughs> And it's like, it's like, hilarious. and it's like the content is identical in both, but the phrasing in English is just so much funnier to me. There's a lot of like really good phrasing in the script. I'll get into some more examples later, but it's good. Oh yeah. Um, I like the direction is also absolutely fantastic in this show. This is, uh, it's just, everybody's like very well cast. And everyone's giving, like, just really good performances and nailing all the, you know, there's a lot of comedy in this show, but it's not, a, a lot of it's not necessarily, like, super broad, over-the-top stuff. Sometimes it's just people say funny things in a slightly funny way. Uh, and it's not, it's like, it's not quite low-key, but it's definitely something where, like, no, you had, people have to work to get, to get up to this level of comedy. And I appreciated that. Um, I thought this dub did a, I thought this dub just did a very good job of balancing, you know, the show has dramatic moments. But it's still a comedy, and I appreciate that they did a good job at keeping that humor right where it needed to be. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, the level of, there's a lot of really interesting performances throughout, because there is as much, like, genuinely funny material as there is, like, pretty solid, like, dramatic work from all of the performances being delivered, and I... I'm not sure, like, this is my first exposure to Carrie as a director, because the hundred or so dubbed episodes of Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed Destiny are currently not out yet, but we do know, like, a lot of the people working on that. But, so this is my real exposure to her as a director, and there's a lot of really strong performances and line deliveries throughout like some of these performances are really genuine and hit really hard and some of them just the way certain lines are delivered and there's a couple of very surprising ones that i did not expect from certain actresses or actors and the script is phenomenal like this seems like it was the two of them working on different stuff but just the amount of like phrasing and wordplay on a lot of these lines are just great um there's a couple of good examples i could probably turn to um i'd say probably one of my favorites outside of like when they go on the movie date where she says that was a refreshingly awful movie 
because they went to see a whole like gory zombie movie and she said refreshingly and i'm just like oh that's cute that's good <laughs> and my actual other favorite thing in the script is uh there's a character where it's like they get out of the bath and uh the one girl who's very standoffish is like, I don't need anybody. I'm tough. I can do this on my own. Uh, she forgets her. She forgets her bra. So like the oh god, that sequence. She plays like so the Playboy character who's like, man, this girl's hot. I'm gonna try and like start talking to her, see what goes on. And he's trying to have a conversation with her, and then he looks and he's like, oh, there's no bra on. What's going on here? And then he just keeps trying to keep the conversation going without looking and acknowledging it. I wrote it down verbatim because I need to bring it up. It's hard to get a breast at first. It's no big deal, so don't let it weigh heavy on your chest or anything. Don't let something like this knockers you down too bad or anything. <laughs> God, it's so good. And then she smacks the she smacks him because he deserves it but oh my god just the amount of like i would say word play but i guess it's more accurate to say breast play on display was that is not banana nice that is not banana nice but no it's just there's so many like very pungent changes to the dialogue that just adds a lot of character and is really funny and really enjoyable and i think it's a stellar script it's very much up there for me this year but direction and script all around are fantastic i was looking forward to the show i was surprised and then some <laughs> you said pungent you made a pun <clears throat> god damn it roots <laughs> <laughs> but in any case um I, I have to agree with everyone, like, the, uh, the script writing is really solid, and any opportunity they could get to kind of play around with, with puns and jokes, they took, and when they got an inch, they took a mile, and it was, like, it was fun the entire way. But on the flip side, you know, this is a Mario Kata show, so... Like, you get a lot of jokes in there, but then it gets heavy quick. So I'm I'm really glad that the that the scriptwriters were more or less able to handle the the heavier material as it kind of it, it kind of grew in density in the last couple of episodes and like I'm I'm really glad that they were able to stick with that. I just hear I just see our DM chat going, Oh no, this is going where I think it's going! Oh no! <laughs> Uh, one thing about the direction I really like is, to me, there weren't really a lot of standout performances, which, like, that sounds like a bad thing, but when everything, everything just kind of blended together, which ended up being really nice, it, it felt like a lot of the actors were in the same room when, really, that's not feasible in traditional anime dubbing. And, um... Like, Gifu Base felt alive. Full of... Characters had... The, uh... The Walla is full of Snap and Banner. The the main characters are full of Snap and Banner. And, like... That's... Like, even, like, even if you've never worked on, like, a military base, you've worked with these people. Yeah. 
And on that note, the, uh, the military jargon is actually, like, really solid, too. So, like, good on all of you. This was, this was really well done. Yeah, no, I, I really, really like this stuff a lot. Um, one of the things I also really want to praise, and this isn't necessarily for uh, Carrie, Annika, or Christian, is that I think the the mixing on this show is impeccable. Yes. Like, mm. the mix work on this show is phenomenal. Because there's a lot of really loud jet noises that have to be mixed in with human dialogue, crowd, uh, military terminology, obviously towards the end, a giant floating hellstorm maker not to mention like you um, got like a huge like typhoon going on and then you need like an afterburner going on yeah yeah um i think that 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 aspect of hisone masatan has i don't think been met really across the board this year except for maybe in uh die new faces dub which also deals with a lot of space, afterburner, laser noises, military jargon, like, all that stuff. Um, there's obviously, like, the stuff where uh, all the deep high wear helmets, and the, it obviously sounds like they're wearing a helmet, or if they're coming through on a radio, it sounds really well put together. Um, I like a lot of the casting done in this. There's one character in particular, I, I feel like while he is really well cast and the performance is really good... It itself as a performance, I feel like could have been done by another actor and been just as effective, in my opinion. Um, again, this is it, this is one of those things where when we get to, I'm gonna say this now. I'm you can like you can think something is really well put together and not like it, and I'm kind of in that camp with one character. Mm. Um, I really, really, really do enjoy the writing on this. The writing on this is really funny, which is. Very strange, because I think in, like, the course of one week, I saw two different dubs of two different Mario Kotter-written things, and they were so vastly different from each other. Hey, what was the other one? It was... Makuya. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm still jealous. <laughs> the nearest screening was two hours. So I'm so bad. You know what? Suck it. Um, mm. uh, so, I really, I really like what Erica and Christian did, um... This, I would say, in my case, is probably the funniest thing I've seen Erica write. Um, like, Little Witch Academia was fun and stuff, but, like, the last half of Little Witch Academia, I feel, was, like, darker than this. And this show had human sacrifices in it. Um. It did. Yeah. It did. Uh, one of my other favorite, I think, I think one of my favorite, uh, moments in the show, and I really like how this was directed, um, is when... Hisone gets to scream in one of the episodes. Oh my god. And that moment, like, just fucking kills me. Um, uh, that and when, uh... <laughs> the fucking, the fucking Wilson shit kills me too. <laughs> okay, yeah. The, the um, fact that she, like, The brings... fact that there's a fucking goddamn castaway joke in this show ends me. Like... Okay, so there is a doll of one of the characters in the show that they just make, and there's a there's like two there's a two episode they get, arc. Okay, so essentially they they get sent to this beach, and we'll get to we'll get to this more when we talk about a lot of the characters that kind of show up in there. 
And Hisone takes it with her and she keeps talking to it on the island. And at one point, like, a giant storm comes and washes the head out to sea. And she starts screaming and crying about it. And then it's- She's like, no, come back, I have to save her! And like, no, nobody, nobody else mentions that, like, it is a head. It's like, Hisone, they all, you like, need to- They all, like, treat it like it's real. Hisone, you need to carry on and make it for the living so you can save another. It's like, oh my god, you're treating this so seriously. <laughs> like, they just kind of, like, they all kind of go, like, full Tom Hanks and Castaway on this fucking thing. Um, that part's really good. I really like the choices. I will say, I really actually like the choices in who they had be um, all of the deep high. Because mm. I feel like there's, especially with Western Coast dubs, um, there's a lot of binaries that you could have shoved a lot of these girls into. And I'm very happy that they didn't do it for any of them. Aside from maybe one of them, I would kind of give it, but the rest of them, I don't really see it. Also, one of my other favorite parts is when um, the writing for how they explain how Mayumi likes her boys. She likes them all fat. <laughs> Some fat and fat. More to love. She likes them. She likes them thick with a double C. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, God. <laughs> that one better be in the highlight reel when it comes. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Okay. So, but that being said, I think we're. While the boys are dying, we'll start moving on to our first set of characters. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'll save, we'll save more, more- I mean, she would suck up that milkshake with a big ol' straw. <laughs> anyway. I need a big gulp, I need a big gulp for that level of thirst that's being opened right now, okay. Anyway, so we're gonna move on to the first set of characters, which is gonna be- uh, Shingo Maizawa, Yutaka Zaito, and Hiroshi Sosada. Uh, the- Oh, fuck, they don't actually explain who the fuck Kyle Haybear is on Wikipedia. Shit. He's, he's the, uh, uh no, he... I looked this up. He's the, he's the, uh, he's the angry short military guy with the pointy hair. But the Pompadour Okay, thing. oh yeah, he's the He's, okay, basically, Shingo is essentially the guy on the base that Amon ex, uh, just explained- who also thinks that women are no good and there's no point in them being here. They're just going to get in the way. Uh, Yutaka Zaito is essentially uh, a fuckboy. Boy, is he. He is the absolute fucking worst. He is a big pervert who kind of teases all of them, wants to wear the girls down, make the girls leave, and eventually he sets his sights on the pilot L and gains feelings for her. And unfortunately has to do some pretty dumb shit later on uh, to kind of hurt her and the plot. And we'll get to that in Final Thoughts. And then Hiroshi Sosada is essentially the head of, I believe he's the head of Gifu Air Force Base. Yeah, more or less. I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's essentially the, the commander of Gifu Air Force Base. Uh, he's just a really nice guy, likes animals and dragons. 
So, playing Shingo Maizawa is Kyle Heiber. Playing Yutaka Zaito is Ben Pronsky. And playing Hiroshi Sosada is Doug Stone. Kyle Heiber, you will know as Gohan in all of the Dragon Ball Z franchise. Ryuji Sog- uh, Suguro in Blue Exorcist. And Kibito in Kabanari of the Iron Fortress. Uh, I'll do Hiroshi next. Uh, Doug Stone, you'll know as the character Stoner in Eureka 7. Zenzo uh, Sakai uh, in Koikaze, just to traumatize five, the five people who know what fucking Koikaze is. And Dayaka in Garan Lagan. Ben Pronsky is Mu Alexis in Magi. Benedict Blue, spelt like a pretentious French bastard in Violet Evergarden. And because apparently this manga is 15 years old today, and this one will bring a smile to a few people's faces, he is Takashi Kamiyama in Kromorty High School. Oh, wow. Whoa, okay. We learned something new. So, Amon, start us off. I enjoy these performances for different values of enjoy. Um, uh, Kyle's a lot of fun. Uh, You know... Uh, Meizawa is like, he's very, he's very cranky and prickly, and he's a very old-school military dude, and what are these women doing here? Um, but in the end, he's a big softie. <laughs> Who cares about the deep eye and wants them to do well. Uh, and then Kyle's just a lot of fun at it. He was, uh, you know, Kyle's good at playing big, gruff characters, and this guy is nothing, he is nothing but big and gruff. Even though he's kind of short, if memory serves. Uh He's fun. Uh, Duck Stone's also a lot of fun. I enjoyed how he plays this, like, very sort of wheelie-dealy bureaucrat type. Like, you know, he's, he's he's done this before. He knows what's up. He knows how to play these people. And occasionally uh, put his foot in his mouth and irritate one of his underlings who might uh, throw something at him. <laughs> Which I always enjoy. It was just like, nope. And just one second too late, he realizes that he shouldn't have phrased it that way. But oh well. Phrasing, Lana. I love the dynamic. I love the diam- d- dynamic he's got with Kakayasu. Oh, it's it's very good. They're a, they're a delightful team. Mm-hmm. Uh, both I enjoy both of them. I did enjoy Ben Bronski as Zaito, but more because Zaito is just awful. Just just yeah. the absolute worst. Like he gets a little better at the end, but about that point, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna need a break here, and I'm like, oh. Oh, you're not the charming asshole. You're just an asshole. Oh. Yeah. And, ben, and the kid. Yeah, fuck that part like, of the story. Like, don't get me wrong. He's awful, but Ben plays him very well. He brings the exact level of, like, like you know, shitty narcissistic slime to the role when he needs to. He is, he is pitch perfect playing an awful man. Kudos. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so... As far as Shingo Maizawa goes, I had to look up, like, some of these names. All I know him is Big Pointy Pompadour Man. And honestly, Big Angry Pompadour Man sounds very much up the alley of Kyle A. Bear in my mind perfectly. It actually reminds me a lot of, like, the character he's currently playing in Hunter Hunter, which, I gotta say... You want to talk about real surprise, the character he plays in Hunter Hunter, I did not think he was going to work. He's perfect for the role, he's really grown into that. Anyways, it's that same tone of voice he uses for this character, and it's very loud and angry, but you can very much tell he's like got like a heart of gold, and he cares a lot, and he just like doesn't want to show it. Uh, Sosuda is like, he's much more civil and chill he is a like you can tell he's doing a lot of this stuff he's not doing the harsh stuff like 
because he wants to. He's doing it just because it's protocol or uh, Eboshi's telling him to. And man, like, just because we he can't really find another opportunity to say it. Man, Eboshi's such an asshole. Like, he, he definitely seems like he is that level of traditional guy who just doesn't really care a lot about, like, the people themselves. It's more about just how you get the results he just he just seems like he's not like evil but you can tell the way he does things are very like manipulative and very scummy he doesn't understand the emotional consequences of his actions and he does not understand why we don't start shipping wars and at the end he has to pay two million yen for a thing of yogurt so he (laughs) (laughs) you go yogurt ladies punishment and as for uh, Zaito, Zaito is one of those characters I was I thought was not sure what they were gonna go with at first at first because at first it's just very much he is the whole on like chauvin chauvinist like star flirt fighter pilot and in a ways he's very much like the antithesis of like a lot of like the more sexist ideology on the base it seems like. But then it just seems like he himself does actually, like, come around when he starts realizing, oh, wait, no, I don't just think she's hot. I actually think I like her, too. So then he's, like, has to, he's actually, like, competing with her. And it's not just because he has to one-up her. It's like, I actually think you're really cool and I want to beat you fair and square. So it's like, I just keep thinking the whole dynamic he's got with, like, L is that there is just there's just a lot of hate sex going on there and it's I'm right don't boo me I'm right that's why would you something say something so bold yet so controversial more or less more or less <laughs> I mean so why would you say something so controversial yet so bold but like I I think there is character there and you definitely show like when all the uh high school priestesses come in he's very he's actually like Ah, they're kids. They gotta go to bed at some point. I'm really not down for this. So it's like, okay, there's something there. It's just, I feel... Oh, thank God, you're not also a pedophile. More or less. But it's like, I think there's character development that could have been explored a little bit better with this guy. It's just 12 episodes and there were higher priorities than him. Yeah. Like, I did come around and think he was alright, but he definitely is. I think he's very much like a personification of like the more military sexism that eventually like does come around and does actually become like a more supportive figure i think that's the point of him as far as i could tell but oh shit i'm supposed to talk about ben i'm sorry (laughs) Uh. okay actual performance discussion time um ben pronsky i've heard as a lot more like quiet stoic badass characters in a lot of performances or as like gruffer sounding guys so to hear him as this much more laid back kind of douchey like playboy character who's a lot more energetic and like loud was actually kind of surprising and like not what i would associate what i've been accustomed from him and it actually was pretty surprising, and I think he does a really good job with the part. So, yeah. Okay, now I'm done. 
I had a lot to talk about the character, and then I have to remember, oh, wait, there's performances, too. There's a lot to talk about in the show, people. I'm sorry. Okay, um, I just need to get this out here. Um, Kyle Hibbert does a really good Sundere Arlie Ermey. (laughs) Holy crap. Holy crap! (laughs) Wait, what? He just Uh, called him a Sundere Arlie Ermey. What the fuck's an Arlie Ermey? Uh, you ever seen uh, Full Metal Gunny, Jacket? he's the, uh... I've never seen Full Metal Jacket. Arlie Ermey is effectively, like, he was an actual military sergeant, and then he became an actor, and then everyone everywhere cast him as a military drill sergeant. You've probably oh, okay. heard him in something you would know as some form of military drill sergeant somewhere. Was he the... Was he Hank's dad in King of the Hill? No, um, Toy Story. He's Sarge. Oh, okay. So, okay, yeah, that's a perfect example. There we go, but yeah. Okay, now I know who that is. Sundari Arlie Ermey, yeah. That is Kyle Hibbert's performance to a T. It is wonderful. I love it. It's it's just... It's something I didn't think about when... You know, like, you don't think, oh... Can Kyle Hibbert do a really good Arlie Ermey? Can he do it Sundere? Now I know he can. And it's really pleasant. It's very good, yeah. And, like, I, I just love how he slowly warms up to the girls. And he's just, like... It's just so cute. And, um... I'm gonna move right on to Ben Pronsky. Uh, like, I, I like the flyboy attitude he gives off. And, I mean, he gets a really big douchebaggy arc, but, you know, just one of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a really good job throughout. Like, I really like the point in which he's starting to realize he has feelings for for one of the Deepai, and eh, he doesn't know what to do with it, and it's like, and oh god, the, the moment where he has to break her heart is just the worst. Mm. Like, mm. yeah, that one was rough just because it's like, you could tell this was an act and he was actually hurting from it. It was like, ooh. Yeah. And I, um, I saved Sosida for last because I really have to kind of, I, what everyone else has said before me, like, that's worded better than what I could do. But I kind of want to give props to one scene he does in particular that I just really, really liked, and it was in the first episode, where after, um, after Hisone collapses after seeing Masotan for the first time, and she wakes up in the hospital, and he has to explain to her everything, and he tells it to her like he's talking to a child. Like, that was one of the funniest scenes of the show to me. Oh yeah, that was pretty good. I, I'm kind of bummed they actually put it in the Netflix trailer, but it is what it is. Uh, honestly, the Netflix trailer was very... It felt like they tried <laughs> advertising it as something it wasn't, which that's more on just, like, an editing person. I'm just like, this is just a weird trailer in hindsight now. Yeah, but um, all around, the three of these guys, the basically the Gifu air airbase guys that we could actually find credits for, they did a really good job. All three of them. Good, solid thumbs-up jobs. Yeah, I'll definitely agree here. 
<clears throat> sorry, <laughs> starting with uh, Maizawa, he was like, I was just, usually when he was on screen, I'm like, can you please shut the fuck up, dude? <laughs> like, he was so surly and angry and was kind of like this douchey, this douchey dad of the boy squad. Like, the boys will be boy squad. And I think Kyle really got that, but I think at the end he's like one of the people who starts crying when they when they put down the, the giant crazy dragon thing. He's actually like upset that like people have gotten over the fact that like she went missing. It's like, how are you okay yeah. with this? Hey with this. Like and he's like the last person you thought that, that was going to be that. Like after by the way, the big giant crazy dragon thing is named Mitatsu Samba. Or Lord Mitatsu, they call it in the dub. Um, he's like, what the hell is wrong with all you? And he's like, kind of the one which is, and everyone's like, well, she said she was going to come back and she's, they're unstoppable. And I really like that he had that kind of like gruff dad of the base voice to him. And, uh, then Sosuda was kind of like, Sosuda reminded me of like the bureaucrat that seems... It's gonna sound really weird because I'm playing Persona 5. He reminds me of the uh, politician guy in Persona 5. Mm. Ooh. I'm not that far yet. From where I'm at right now. From where I'm at right now. I have not finished that confidant. Stop hat hissing at me, Andrew. Oh, that politician. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, that one. Tora, not, not Shido. Okay. Tora Nosuke <laughs> makes a lot more sense, actually. Okay. Not Shido Toranosuke. Okay, that's better. That's much better. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, okay, I'm not finished that game. Even I know what Shido does. So. Okay. Okay. Sorry, honey. Um, uh, no, no but worries. no, like, he reminds me a lot of that. And uh, I think one of my other favorite moments in the show actually is Amon brought up how Sosa shoves his foot, like, right in his mouth all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is, uh,. I think it's in 11 or I think it's in either 12 or 11 where it's him talking to um, Kakiyasu, uh, asshole, Mick, break their hearts, and uh, now where she's kind of it's like maybe you don't want her to come back because she goes against everything you stand for. I mean, you tried to be a D-Pi and look what happened. You got rejected and he ran off with your love, the guy you, and she ran off with the guy you were in love with. I think with. that was, no wait, I think that was seven, <laughs> that was seven, I think, because that was when they had like, they had like a love expert come in to monitor. No, he, he matches it again later on in the show and she yells at him too for oh, it. Oh, I just remember like the sound effect and she gives him the dirtiest look and it's just like, oh. it's like nails on a chalkboard, she just stares at him like, "Oh, you done?" And he's just like, "Oh, oh he's hell, dead fuck. now." Oh, he, oh he, oh he dead. Like literally, she shoots the look, and then the dark, the, the uh, Dark Souls, you died screen comes up. <laughs> yeah. By the way, my favorite meme of that is somebody's pet rat jumping on their face, and then it fades to that. God. <laughs> um, and then oh, Ben Promsky as uh, Zaito. Uh, I'm not actually super familiar with Ben Propsky. <laughs> I've never watched all of Cromarty High School or Moggy. I watched most of Moggy in sub, okay? He was in Fate Apocrypha. What the fuck was he in Apocrypha? He's Siegfried. Oh, fuck! I love that guy! <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> I forgot he was Sieg. That's funny. I forgot he was the hotter saver in that show. Don't at me. Oh, oh, mama. Okay, that's a that's a can of worms we're not getting into. We're not getting into fate horny talk tonight, please, please. Whoever's doing Goblin Slayer might, but um. That being said, no, like I, it sounded like such a departure from Sieg, obviously, because Sieg is a good boy who I would totally date if he was real. So. And Roots wasn't alive. Um, but, man, Zaito, he has the the voice of, like, I, I don't, I want to say douchey white guy on the Air Force base. Like, Ben Promsky gives Zaito a voice that looks like it would have come from a Top Gun anime. You know what? Uh, you he know what? He sounds like Goose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's essentially fuckboy Goose. I've never seen Top Gun, so... Wow, like, okay. Gonna... I think Goose was, in fact, kind of a fuckboy. Boy. boy. Mm. <laughs> Feel free to... Watching Top Gun is totally straight. Feel free to prove me wrong in the comments section below. <laughs> also, please start quoting the Bridge Beyond Time's abridged movie as Top Gun. Watching Top Gun is totally straight. <laughs> um, but no, like, I... I... God, Zaito is such a character that you want to punch in the face, but, like, you know that he does start genuinely, like, and I, you can hear it in his, in Promsky's performance that he genuinely is falling for L, And he's just kind of putting up a face, because you can kind of tell in people's voices when they're trying to be like, oh, well, you know, I'm a big uh, movie star, and uh, it's like, Steve, you're in, like, Sharknado, shut up. <laughs> that type of voice. Damn, what do you got against Steve? He's just trying to work. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why Steve is the name I give for like every generic white douchebag. I mean, Steve's just trying to make some money. He's get, he's he's a he's, he's at he's at Starbucks right now. He's trying to make a living. He needs that really one good get, that one opportunity to really make it big and do a movie with Tom Man, Tanks. Man, if I make if I make it Tom Tanks. Tom Tanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tom Tanks. The fictional Steve is working with Tom Tanks and Benet Bellwager. <laughs> on this on the next on Bojack Horseman season seven. Oh man. <laughs> um but no, no, I really, I really enjoyed. God, I forgot he was seeing. Jesus Christ. Um, but no, I think oh, I really liked Zaito's performance as a character. Sometimes I feel like the character does kind of come off as a bit of like he's kind of the straw man for the dumb asshole, like dumb asshole sexist men in your workplace. But um, I think Ben did a really great job with his performance, and I do think that there are layers there. So are we good to move on? I'm good to move on. Let's do it. Speaking of the poor co-worker that Sosuna shoves his foot in his mouth for, uh, Remy uh, Kakiyasu, who is essentially kind of the leader of the leading commander of the Deepai, she, uh, she as she says, uh, brings in and nurtures and raises the next generation of Deepai. She is also she also tried to be a Deepai once and was rejected, and also had her man stolen from her. Life has not been easy to miss one Kakiyasu. And then the other character we have is Sada Hinamoto, an old lady who sells yogurt around the vase. She, in fact, is the only living Deepai from the last sacrificial Rissler. Uh, Rissler? Ritual. Shut the fuck up. I can read. 
This will be this, Batman. Not well! What are you gonna do when the blood ritual comes for you? Jesus. <laughs> oh, it was me! He's so nice! It was me all along! He's so nice! God. Man, what a good... What a good twist, too. Because it's like... She kept showing up, and it's just like, okay, up, and, something's up with you. Oh, no, you. and then the twist even gets better in that uh, she's also a fucking lesbian. Wow. What? Like, I, I saw, like, they showed the flashback of her with one of the priestesses. Like, she has a reaction to hearing the bells come off the plane. I'm like, okay, something's up there. And then it's like, you see a flashback, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's a priestess or something. They must have a thing. Then she sees it again. I had a sweetheart once myself. Okay. How far are you going to go if they are just sticking each other's pinkies in each other's mouths? This is actually... A th We're going to fly off to Paris. <laughs> We're going to fly off. Hell. Like, wow. Like like a couple of heterosexuals during Casablanca, bitch. Man, that, like, the, the, the scene where it's like they have to be separated was like, oh, I... Oh, this one hurts. Wow. Yeah, um... She also had flew Masotan under the name Montparnasse. Uh, also, it was at this point in time that I would like to mention that the ending song to this show is a French song from the 60s. It's true. By Francis Gall. Ooh. Like, it's also yeah. sung by some combination of the, uh, of a seiyuu. I, I figured. Yeah, I think it's all the girl seiyus except for, I think, Romy Park. Because she is played by Romy Park in the Japanese. Is she? Yeah. Yes. Wow, that reminds me. Uh, Hikushiba, the the suit guy, is played by Junichi Suwabe in Japanese. Yes, he is. Uh, and playing Kakiyasu is actually Rei Kugamiya, the Sudari queen herself. Interesting. Um, wow. So, but playing her in English because that's what we're here to talk about is the director Kerry Keenan, and playing Sada Hinomoto is Cindy Robinson. Kerry Keenan, you will know as Maya NTR NTR. <laughs> He has, uh, Haisu from Fate Zero, Mommy, Don't Lose Your Head, Tomoe, and Puella Magi Madoka Magica, and Gila in The Seven Deadly Sins. Cindy Robinson's plays characters such as Do Dr. Atsuko Chiba in Paprika, Ashimori in The Time of Eve, and because we did an episode on this show, but we will not be doing another one, uh, and this character does not show up in the movie from what I understand, she actually gets to play Koyo Ozaki in Boongo Stray Dog Season 2. Hmm. Ah, Ozaki, okay, okay. Gold Demon. Ah, right, 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 right. She also has one of my favorite other lines in the show told Keith Silverstein, which is, he's like, uh, don't you, Keith, like, I'm sorry to tangent, one of the lines in, at, towards the end of Boongo Stray Dog Season 2, uh, is, it's like, wow, I'm so surprised to be such an important lady in your life, and he goes, oh, hush, all the most important women in my life are under the age of 12. <laughs> um, and she goes, <laughs> yeah. And she says, say that again and I'll cut out your tongue. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I remember who she is now. I like her character. But yeah, no, that's probably one of my favorite Keith Silverstein lines because he delivers it in a way that is so slimy and yet so, like, seductive. What do you want from him? He's a mob boss. I prefer my women under the age. I'm going to ask him about that when I see him. Anyway, Amon, go ahead. Well, after all that up, uh, these performances are very good. Um, like I was saying earlier, Carrie's uh, really fun, uh, uh, both interact uh, when her character is interacting with uh, Sasoda, but also just in general. Like she, 
of I think of like sorry the the people who aren't the main DeFi, I always feel like she has some of the the best pathos just because she's in this weird position of like I'm going to raise them because they couldn't hack it, and she's still my man. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> and then she left. She didn't even stick around to find the goddamn dragon. That's rough. Inside the goddamn dragon, Hisone. I I want to, but the dragon won't get. The dragon won't eat me. Um. No, she's a lot of fun. She she play she plays you know very the cool, calm, collected you know, smart you know professional military woman, uh, really well. Uh, but she still also gets lots of just fun lines, and can really uh, and also just puts out some really good acting chops, particularly in episode. It's in eleven or twelve where she's like she's like chewing out his Sone for wanting to quit, basically. Oh, I think it was eleven. It's eleven. Yeah, just just when she because like you know. Kakiyasu's been, like, pretty low-key the whole time, and so her really at, like, what's clearly actually really legitimately angry about this uh, is both just an interesting turn, and I thought she just sold that very well. She did a good job of, you know, be sounding angry, but not in a way that would have been out of character. I was, I was character. like, scared when she turned. I thought, I thought it was going to be, like, a quiet... You can go, and then it's like a quiet anger. No, it's ballistic. And it's such a surprise, because like for, for all the dramatic stuff that happens in Dragon Pilot, it's generally a pretty low-key show. So to have someone not, you like, be like legitimately really furiously angry like that is... It, you're not expecting it, and that makes it hit all the much harder. You're right, you're right. Um, and so, like, you know, she, and she's, she's just wonderful in this role. Um... And Cindy Robinson is also great, <laughs> starting from when she's just this weird yogurt lady, and you're not sure why she's there. She's just around. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're important. Oh, you have a very tragic backstory. <laughs> oh, you had to go through this all once already, didn't you? Oh. Oh, you poor lady. Oh, no. Uh, that's that's, uh, that's rough, buddy. That's real rough. My first girlfriend turned into a dragon's stomach. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> Fan out out there somewhere of um, Hinamoto and, and Soka like in a bar swapping stories. <laughs> my girlfriend got eaten by a dragon. My girlfriend turned into the moon. And they clink glasses. Clink sorrows. A drink to the dead GFs. Uh, uh, oh. And taps plays slowly in the background. God damn it. Okay. Uh, I was gonna say no. It should be the music from uh, Captain America where. Uh, I guess, like, I think the second Captain America movie where, like, Peggy's waiting for Steve to dance with her. Oh. oh. No. Boy, we're making us all sad tonight. <laughs> you can't make me sad if I'm always sad. That's my secret, Cap. I'm always sad. I'm always depressed. Wow, that wounded me. Uh, that movie okay? hurt. I'm sorry. God damn it. All right. Um, so, yeah, yeah Cindy, Cindy's delightful. Uh, she's just she's just a very charming old lady. I, I also mm. especially like where she's like, you can have this yogurt for two million yen. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah, go ahead. You said your piece. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Just just want to make sure. Okay. So uh, Carrie is basically the strict. Firm, strict, but fair team mom of the entire DPI unit. 
Uh, she's doing a lot of this stuff, and she is very much, like, strict, tough, military type for a lot of it. But, uh, you see, uh, a lot of, like, you see some of the other things of who she is come out, uh, when she's interacting with, uh, Masotan's previous pilot, uh, Forest, uh, played by Allegra Clark, by the way, uh, she's great, um, where they're bantering about the fact that, like, they were both kind of into the same guy and hoping there's no far hard feelings, and you just see this kind of playful delivery of the uh, part, oh, please, I let you have him, and I just think, like, it's a very subtle moment, but you can tell there's a lot more to her than just, like, this strict, like, army person or something, and I thought that was really well done, and... She's really interesting, and you can tell, like, she also gets, like, morally, like, uncomfortable with a lot of the personal things that they're asked to do, like, keep the women from dating other people or break their hearts, which, as, like, a woman herself who has also kind of had her heart broken, as well as somebody who's also, like, their job is to be, like, Air Force soldiers, not to, like, get in relationships. I'm very uncomfortable both ways to this. But she still does her duty, because, like, this is the life she knows. So when she sees, like, Hisone does the thing where it's like, I, I leave and quit because I can't choose, she's furious. Like, how dare you leave? After all the work we've put in, after all the work I've put in. It's such a sudden turn, it's so scary, but it's so firm, and she is justifiably angry. Like, there's a lot going on with Carrie's performance of uh, Kakeyasu that's very nuanced and, like, very powerful. As for Cindy as Hinamoto, she starts out, like, half the series as this very, like, sweet, kooky old lady... Who's just like, you want some yogurt? It's really good for your digestion. This is a really good flavor. I hope you're having a great day, dear. To being a, like, a granny drill sergeant in the best way possible. Like, they do the operation, the test operation, where they have to stay awake for three days. Because they fly three days continuously and the struggle of having to trust your dragon and like when she's basically fighting and chastising hisone i mean who hasn't stayed up three days straight before i mean haven't you seen those fuckers in the game room at a con oh god yeah i've had to work game rooms like man oh I... have you smelled those people in the game room at the con? i try not to I try not to. That went in a direction I was not expecting. Speaking of spelling, they must smell really bad being in there for three days. My god. Um, but, no, I really like like the turn she makes as a character. Is that she's all, like a wise, grizzled veteran. But you can also hear a lot of the vulnerability and the past like regrets she had. Like When she's flying Masotan and she's not responding, she's like, Did everything I've done... Did all the regrets I make, did the woman I let die, was it all worth it just for this to you to not listen to me? And, like, there's a lot going on with this character particularly. And when she's explaining that, it's really, really heartbreaking. Also, by the way, like, they never say it, but that is Stephanie Shea as the, as the priestess. Like, there's a lot of, like, that could be anybody, but that's Stephanie Shea. Like... 
unmistakably. Uh, but no, I really, really like this character. And I think Cindy does a really stellar, like, sweet old lady to very stern, almost frustrated, but wise veteran. And I think she does a really, really good job. Also, a little thing I want to mention since we are still on the topic of her. I like the fact that the priestess is saying, like, to do this to save the country and save your family, but never mentions, like, her family. Like, we know very little about her, but just something about saying your family instead of her family is really interesting. We'll get to it in the next segment, that's why. We shall. Roots, go ahead. Alright, so, Kakiyasu, um, I like the fact that, dis unlike the men of the base, like, Kakiyasu is the only one who seems to be on the girls' side from the beginning. Like, she has a weird way of showing it, but yeah, she is definitely, like, she's looking out for them in just about any way she can. And that, that shows through in, uh... Carrie Kiernan's performance really well, and um, I gotta say the second to last episode where she's she's scolding Hisone, like that is probably one mm. of my favorite performances of the show, like mm. bar none, where she's just chewing her out nonstop, and then yeah, but but get in the damn truck, we actually do need you, like that okay. that was like. That was the best. And, um, Cindy Roberts... Get in the trunk and do a Evil Knievel off the bridge. Get... I just need you to Evil Knievel this right the fuck now. Hey, hey, hey. Hisone, Hisone, hold on, hold on. Do you think you could jump that? <laughs> do a backflip! <laughs> How much air do you think you'd get if you made that? <laughs> Uh, in any case, uh, Cindy Robinson, I, I really like that she just had the switch where she went from yogurt lady to basically old lady drill instructor in like no time flat. And the reveal is so good, too, because you kind of saw it coming, but not that way. Like you knew something was up with her and they were going to reveal it. And then, oh, wow. And... Like, she got some really weighty stuff. I mean, let's face it. This is a Mario Kata show. Like, there is going to be some tragic gay in there somewhere. I'm amazed this show actually committed and didn't just, like, subtly imply it. They're like, oh, no. They're in love. That's a thing. No. There is no heterosexual explanation for taking your girl... For stealing an aircraft and taking your bitch to Paris. <laughs> but, uh, By the way, I've come to realize Masutan is just the world's greatest wingman. <laughs> he honestly is. That is both. That is both a. That's great because he, he is a wingman. He does have wings. Uh, okay. <laughs> Any case, um. Oh, where, uh, where was my thought? Um. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, like, she does the... You don't hear it in the very beginning, but when she really starts getting involved with the DPI program, you start getting the sense of her, her lovesickness coming through. And, like, the whole thing where the dragon's going berserk and the 
in the midst of the final operation. Like that was mm-hmm. that was some great stuff. That was a really solid goal performance. And then when they're in the belly of the giant dragon and she's just contemplating everything. I honestly thought she was going to make the sacrifice. Dude, same. Oh yeah, no, I totally thought she was going to go. I, f- I did not expect her to live. I was expecting she was going to do there. Do that. I'm like, "Oh my god." Rokata! Like, be with be with her beloved for like all eternity and that would have been like I was great... also thinking that that would have been Yeah, that that would have actually been really bittersweet, but in any case, like in terms of the two performances we're talking about, really great. And I will pass it on. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you, Roots. Um so I want to start with uh Hinamoto who I really like Cindy Robbins' performance on her because she she makes her sound older and but she doesn't go like stereotypical old grandma voice. She does sense uh retain the sense of youth to Hinamoto who is just longing to be back with her her beloved again, her her sweetheart. Um and I love when I think one of my favorite moments is in the last episode is where she starts yelling at He's so I don't know if it's her or Carrie Keenan who's yelling at her at the very end. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, aim harder, you stupid idiot! It's, like, it sounded like, like Cindy. Yeah, and it's just such a good... And then uh, at the very end where she kind of goes back to being just the normal grandma and she gives the smarmy, the smarmy government bureaucrat some shit about buying yogurt. Um, I really liked that a lot. And I really love Cindy's performance. And I'm very happy that... There's so much weight and depth and sorrow, um, especially when she sees uh, her best friend's clothing again. Ooh, yeah. Like when these, mm. where like you hear her like on the verge of tears, and it's just like this strained anger of this is what happens. This is going. This is what's going to happen to a child, essentially. Because mm. we're we're about to get to that in the next segment um and there's a lot to say too uh one of the things that i guess i'll bring it up now too which i think she probably also feels a little bit of resentment to is um they imply that becoming one with lord uh mitatsu is better than sex they don't say it they don't say those exact words, but they say it to some. The girls whisper to I, each other. Oh, the, the priestesses. Yeah, I remember oh, right. that. The priestesses whisper it to each other, and they lean over, and it's like, "Wow, beep! You don't know what that is." And they lean over, and you don't hear, but you see her go, "Ah!" And she like screams like a like a five year old. So you have to imagine that, and like they said, all of the dragons are male. Hmm. Ah, Mario Kart, I love you sticking your sticking your thoughts into things, and we're gonna get comments on that one. <laughs> um, ah, we're gonna get comments on that one, boys! Don't read the comments, folks. Don't read- Morgan Berry put that. To all my YouTube creators, don't read the fucking comments. Um, but man, oh god. Carrie Keenan as Kakiyasu, um... Kakiyasu's performance was the middle ground between Maya from Fate Zero and Satsuki from Kill la Kill. 
if they were a fucking 30-something, like, 40-something-year-old woman who has burned out on all other career options and has no choice but to help these idiot, like, 20-somethings. And Roots brings it up in episode 11. It is such a stellar performance where she is yelling at Hisone in the rain as Hisone's trying to apologize to her. She's like, what the hell is wrong with you? And, and Hisone says such. She goes, everything you say is so selfish and you don't think of anybody but yourself. But God, if you're so honest, get in the fucking van, Hisone! <laughs> it's really great. It's really... Like, I'm not gonna lie that it sounds like when Steph yells at me about things. That's what it reminds me of. Like, when Steph has to pull me off the edge, like, if I'm really upset and I don't feel comfortable talking to, to like, Patrick or, or or you, or, like, other people about it, and she's, like, the person I want to talk to, that's what it reminds me of, is she is that friend who has to, like, walk this line of being professional and polite, but she just wants to fucking smack some motherfuckers. Mm. She is ready to pull some and heads she... out of some asses, basically. Yeah, like, she is gonna lube up, she's gonna lube that neck up and pull. Um, but, I, God, I love it so much, and I love when Carrie Keenan gets to do these roles, because I love Carrie Keenan and, and like, almost everything she does. It also a little bit reminds me of her character from Your Lion April. Hubby is a dummy. Dummy. <laughs> <laughs> or my favorite blue, my favorite, like, if you've ever met, Carrie Keenan's also one of the coolest people you'll ever meet in your life. Um, one of my favorite things, stories about her is uh, um, at the first Anime Boston I ever went to, uh, me and Steph went to the dub premiere for Lion April where the director and I think the writer of the show or the character designer of the show were there. And they showed the English bloopers to your Lion April with them on stage. <laughs> oh, man. And, oh, and Patrick, Max, Erica, um, Harlicker, no, not Lindbeck. Harlicker, Lindbeck. Um, Thank you. Lynn Beck and her were on stage, and one of the bloopers goes, yeah, you know what, people are trying to hide something, like a boner. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just on the couch, curling into a ball. Oh my god. <laughs> my other favorite one of that is, um, I think Christina V just going, I like turtles! <laughs> Bless your heart, Carrie. You done good. God, I love Carrie Keaton and things, and... Like I put I put Gila on this list because that was probably my other favorite Carrie Keenan in performance of all time until I think Kakiyasu. Um so I I just really love this and I think she did a really great job directing herself and casting herself as this character in particular. Um obviously directors have the choice to cast where they think fit. Sometimes you just gotta shove yourself in there, Crevins. Um <laughs> McFarland. So sometimes um, you do what feels right. And this was what felt right. So, are we ready to move on to the missing Mozzie brother? <laughs> <sighs> oh, I, yes. I, you, know what, yes. No, you know what? I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one who had that reaction. I'm sorry! That, that, no, no. Right. That's through my mind. Every time he was on screen, he's like, it's like one of the Matsu brothers wasn't a complete fuck-up. Jeez. It's the seventh Otsumatsu brother who ate his way out of the world. Yeah, he, 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 he looked at um, these losers and thought, I'm gonna go be a priest somewhere. There. So we are talking about Haruto Okanoki, 
And the, uh, one of the priestess, the head priestess, essentially, Natsume Misumi, um, this section I'm going to take a little bit of time to explain things. Um, Haruto Oganoki is the engineer who works directly with Masatan, who is a very nice, nice boy, who you find out is from this village that, uh, essentially is this. Uh, the Okanogi family, as uh, well, as well as, um... Natsume's family come from a very small village where all of the boys are raised to be Shinto priests and join the uh, JSDF, and all of the girls are raised to be shrine maidens um, as early as high school, which we're getting to that creepy factor. Um, essentially, every 74 years, this ritual to appease uh, Lord Mitatsu happens in which one specific Miko Shrine Maiden is chose to be what's called the Kusabi Mei, and essentially has to plunge a dagger into um, Lord Mitatsu and is then trapped inside of him, essentially uh, marrying him for all of the rest of her life, and she eventually dies. Um, like we said before, uh, apparently doing this is better than sex. I'd like to remind you that Natsume is in high school! And so were all of her friends. Like, she's like seventeen. Show okay, okay. It's okay. a wee bit creepy. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me at least give off the whole thing about any time there is a sacrifice to the gods. Everybody loves the pure virgin girl. Like this is yeah, not it's across this cultures. is not like a new thing or something just the show does like anytime there's some sort of deity sacrifice cultures decide this pure young untampered with maiden girl needs to be one that we kill brutally to appease a god more or less yeah so essentially there's that um i'm not saying the show is bad in any way in fact i think the show actually uses this trope to actually use it as a way to criticize certain aspects of Japanese society. That's its own thing. Uh, but to more importantly go into Natsume. Natsume is a childhood friend of uh, Okanogi who is in love with him. Uh, there's a significant age gap in them, by the way, because I believe she, at one point, uh, there's a scene where Okanogi talks about uh, blowing on her nose as a baby. I, I think it was like, so, there's probably like at least six or seven years seven years so like she is still in high school and so we're all of her little her little friends um obviously if uh there's a spoiler warning on the show she makes it out alive because of his sone's quick thinking uh but that being said playing okano uh haruto okanogi is bryce pappenbrook and playing natsume misumi is erica mendez who is also one of the writers bryce pappenbrook you'll know as kaname isaki in a well in the sea Yoshindo in My Hero Academia, and Hanabusa Aido, aka the One Redeeming Light in the Vampire Knight dub. Erica Mendez, you will know as Diane in The Seven Deadly Sins, Ako Kagari in Little Witch Academia, and Akari Sakishima in A Lull in the Sea. Oh yeah, Akari. Oh yeah, she was great in that. Okay. Nope, that show is sitting off my shelf still, and I've still never watched it. She got the big box too, I'm jelly. Paid $100 for that box. Anyway, as a blind buy. Um, I think you will anyway, very much enjoy um, it when you get to it. I'm on. Go ahead. Uh, I like these two performances. Not quite with a caveat. Um, it is mostly that while... I don't know. Okanoki and Misumi have felt not less interesting, but less... 
something? I don't want to, I think part of it's just like, Okanogi's mostly just, he's a good boy. And that's kind of it. He's a good boy who may or may not vape. <laughs> oh, he, de he definitely, vape he, he, he definitely vapes, but then his Sone makes fun of him in the first episode and he stops. I actually we don't, I actually think that she should. I actually <laughs> think it is a cigarette holder. It just, it I know, looks like it, a vape. It looks, I, I think you're probably right because when he's throwing away his Kali cigarettes, but it looks so much like a vape pen. And that's much funnier to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'll definitely say this. Bryce Papperbrook is definitely up there as like one of the actors. I could probably realistically see vaping. It just I'm went sorry, very you, I'm quiet, sorry. and I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah, I think yeah, my no, connection, you're... my connection, just kind of like. Yeah, oh, sir, I thought I, you were all could... judging me. Okay. No, no, I, I didn't mean... hear the end of what you were saying. No. And I, tell I mean, we speaking. are normally, but. <laughs> uh, like I think I think Bryce does a perfectly good job as Okanogi. I I think his character might just suffer a little bit from like his point is kind of to be a nice dude and kind of a straight man for the more extreme personalities to play off, like his Sone. And so compared to, especially the lead, the deep eye we're about to get to, he has relatively less to work with. Um, but he, I still think he worked. Like, he had a very good, like, normal dudeness to him. It's like, here's a, here's a normal solid dude. He, uh, he kind of thinks the weird pilot lady's cute. He's gonna ask her to go see a zombie movie. It's gonna be hokey, but she's gonna be really into it. It's gonna be a lot more fun than he thought it'd be. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of sweet. Um, so like I, yeah I don't I don't have a I don't have a lot lot to say but like he was very good for what the role required. Um, but is a little bit more just because she's kind of a brat. It's like oh you're you're a teenage girl from a small town you don't say. <laughs> um, she seems very sheltered. Starting with the fact that she's mooning over this like adult ass dude who's like at least like seven or eight years older than she is. It's like, look at you. I wonder if she knows what Bofa is. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't what even think Bofa? I... <laughs> okay, I want to say this. What is Bofa? I, I... Bofa these nuts! Is... Oh. You walked Wait, right did you not Andrew? know? I heard of... I, I know... I know the Ligma one. I never heard of the Bofa one. <laughs> Bofa-D's nuts! You walked right into it! This is, this is a moment too beautiful and pure for this world. I can't <laughs> Like, what's worse is that I totally imagine his Sone doing that to her and fucking it up. Oh. What? I- I don't- I don't get it. It's like, what- what are- what are these nuts? I- I- like- I- I like- I like pistachios. I- what are you talking about? Andrew, 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 Andrew. They're talking about human testicles. <laughs> I- I- I understand now that these nuts is implying to that. Oh my side. I thought we weren't gonna be able to potentially top thick with the double C, but- I can't. I'm very. You got me good. <laughs> I did it, Pam. I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Amon. Um, but Erica does a very good job. Like, um, she, she, she. I think she she does a very good line of bring. Like, Miss Misume is like kind of an immature brat. I feel that's very much her character, and she does a very good job of playing that so much that, you know, you. you Masune causes a lot of trouble, but you never quite get to, like, hating her. She she never quite goes too far into, like, making her so irredeemable at the end. It's like, why are you saving this lady? She's terrible. 
Like, technically <laughs> now does worse, but, like, now's amazing, and I love her. Now, my, my ability to hate now got immediately undercut by Hisone pointing out, it's like, I thought you were somebody's kid, that is why I gave you yogurt. Why are you wearing that hairstyle? <laughs> like, any ability okay. I had to hate now, kind of just like, nope, you're, you're funny now. You're amazing and a dork, and I love you. Uh, but back to back to Misume. Um, yeah, no, like I I thought Erica just played that line very well, of making her seem very much like a, a a actual teenage girl who is not she is not causing a must out of spite per se. It's mostly just like she's very sheltered, and it clearly just didn't occur to her that her like pseudo boyfriend she had a crush on might have a life outside of like her. Um, and I thought she played that. She played that line very well. It was, I liked. I liked that performance a lot. I'm done. More or less, she's a kid. She's a high school girl who wanted both of the Oka nuts. Okay. She's stage. cuckoo for Oka nuts. Okay. <laughs> she's cuckoo for Oka nuts. The quiet. I deserve that one. That one was a lot better in my head. Okay. Anyways. Um. So Erica. Erica Mendez as. Uh, not to me. Not to me. Uh, it's actually really interesting because, like, Erica Mendez is very versatile in that she can sound a lot of different ways. She could sound very stern and strict, and she could also sound very light and sweet. Like, this week I saw her as Melissa from the My Hero Academia movie, and now I'm hearing her as Natsume, and they are just straight up night and day. Like, as far as, like, peppy personality to, uh... I don't care. I like him. You're in the way or something like that. I don't care for you. And I think she does a really good job making her sound both like a brat. Like she sounds, I'm going to say this phrase and it's going to be very vulgar, but spare with me on this. She sounds like a brat and not a bitch. By that phrasing, I mean... By her sounding like a brat, she sounds like she is, in fact, a stubborn child. She is a stubborn child who is doing this because this is sort of how she knows to respond to a situation like this, and that's really all she knows. And not a bitch, which would basically, in my mind, be implying an adult woman who knows better and is doing this to be spiteful and mean to this person. Or, like, actually hurt them. This is just sort of like, you're hanging out with a guy like, you're a weenie. Yeah. That's how I describe it. And that's how I see it. And I think Erica does a really solid job, as well as also sounding, like, vulnerable when she's, like... I, I like when she realizes, I actually don't want to die. And I thought that's a really sweet moment. And it's just very much like, oh, she has a chance to kind of live her life at the end. And I thought that was very sweet. I also like how she gets coerced into, like, living, is that uh, Hisone's thought is, oh, if you're God, we're gonna kiss so much, and it's gonna be great, and, like, we're gonna- We're gonna fuck, bitch! More or less. It's just like, we're gonna do all this lovey-dovey stuff, and she's and it's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna be dead. What can you do? And she's like, I don't wanna die. It's like, there we go. Baited. <laughs> I thought that was a really great scene. And as well as Okanogi, uh, Bryce Papenbrook does a very good job playing Okanogi. He sounds very much like Bryce 
in regards to the way. Very, like, sweet and calm and cool and all that. And all in all, I think I really do like Okanogi a lot as a character. He is, like, the love interest, but that's more or less kind of what was required of him. But he was very sweet. I liked the relationship he had with Masotan and... The chemistry that he does have with Hisone is very genuine and interesting. Like, the steady reveal that he has actually got a lot more to him than just an engine. That this is the life he was trained to be, but he found something worthwhile about it. I thought that was really interesting. And I think Bryce does a very solid job as him. And he does, in fact, look like an Osumatsu sibling. He's not the only one. We'll get to that. <laughs> no. Anyways, yeah. Uh, I'm done. Okay, um, yeah, so Bryce Pappenbrook in a role where he's not yelling and it's good? <laughs> what is this sorcery? I just, like, I like the fact that he's just kind of using a calm voice through the whole thing and he's laid back and he's chill because this is not, like, Something you hear very often from Bryce Pappenbrook, and it's really nice. You're right, he doesn't yell. Like, maybe once in the entire show does he yell. Or, like, have any big emotional exasperation. Like, and hmm. it's... Like, this is one of the most refreshing Bryce Pappenbrook roles I have heard in a while. Hmm. And, um... Like, I... My favorite stuff of his is in the middle of the show when he's during sort of the operation where they're basically getting guys together with the D pie so that they can break their hearts and like that kind of dick move arc of the show. And like he's just having none of it and like he's actually having a good time with his Sone and it's just so pure and so good. Like, also, is... he got free tickets out of that. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. He Work the system. <laughs> he managed to work the system. Good on him. But yeah, it, it's great just to hear Bryce Pappenbrook in a way you don't typically hear hear him. And, like, it's... It's nice. It's pleasant. Like, not a lot wrong with it. And, uh, Erica Mendes, on the other hand, like, I gotta agree with you guys that l she does a really good job sort of portraying Hitomi as sort of, like, a brat, but never, like, it never crosses a line into unlikable territory. She gets, she gets a lot of good humor out of her brattiness. And it's, like, it's really fun when you first meet her and she's got the rivalry with uh, Hisone. Like, it's just fun. And then... I was, just, I was just having a lot of fun with the fact that as soon as she came on and it was like, Oh, Haru! My immediate thought was NTR! 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 But at the same time, she's, like, years younger than him and it's like that that's awkward but like that didn't pan out so good anyway mm -hmm. i i do have to agree with you guys at like the end arc of the show where she actually realizes she doesn't want to die that is like the best of her performance mm. 
Like, especially at that moment where Hisone finally breaks through to her. And she's just like, oh, yeah, no, bitch. I <laughs> no, bitch. You're gonna... You and I are gonna compete fair and square. Now open up that pot. I'm getting the fuck in. Oh, all right. Get the fuck in the... Uh, how are they... Also, there's something, a little thing I want to mention. They're in, like, some sort of, uh, tube. They're... They're in, like, a fucking, like... I, I'd like to imagine that it's one of those, like, old AC, like, trailers. <laughs> okay. There's something I... Could airstream? There's something I want to mention. Because the way they... There's a very small thing they show that. Because that pod is being carried by, uh... uh why am I blanking? Futamomo. And when they first show that scene... He, he, like, has a reaction on his face. Did you think that they were putting it up his butt? <laughs> Kinda! It was like, it looked like a suppository to me. Buddha Momo, honey, I need you to open your cloaca and put it No, stop bringing the cloaca thing back. No, no we will always no, bring up lizard. the cloaca. No, he's a wizard. Lizards have cloacas. But lizards have cloacas, I think. Oh, I, I hate this. I hate that <laughs> so much. Ever, you ever said seven mortals. You're right. You're right. You have uh, no one to blame but yourself. I dug this hole and it keeps getting bigger. Anyways, that's what I wanted to say on that. Uh, oh, 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 oh I'm still on. I'm still on. Okay. Um. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Oh, I didn't know if you were done or not. I I believe I am. Okay, Thumbs cool. Up. So while Andrew imagines Andrew imagines the dragons can get suppository up their cloacas, um, he walked right into that. I did. Uh, Andrew, it's don't like pull any It's like Bob in the rakes. <laughs> God, you're so right, and I. Th <laughs> Uh, so I'll do Natsume first. Natsume, I really like the idea that she's a brat, not a bitch. Um, I will also say that it was adorable to hear Erica Mendez make her so childish fighting his son for Okinoki's love. I don't want to die! Fuck that bitch! Like, I was waiting for her to tackle her and start pulling some hair. <laughs> and, um, like, Spring Breakers style, man. Oh, but, um, <laughs> but no, I also really liked when, um, she was trying to I think that there was also this aspect that Erica Mendez gave her where she was trying to make Natsume a, like sound super mature like when you know a younger kid's like yeah I'm mature I can drink three Budweiser's tonight <laughs> and kinks out after <laughs> when in truth they're drinking like a Sprite or no it's like I'm gonna order I'm gonna order a, a strawberry daiquiri Virgin. You know what? That actually makes me think of, like, something Zaito says to Ellie. It's like, oh, you're drinking alcohol that's basically juice. That's so cute. Yeah, because she has, like, a cocktail. Yeah. I'm gonna order a beer. Bud Light, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's not beer. That's piss water. Um, one alcohol, please. Um, but, when, like, when Natsume kind of comes up to Okanogi when he's kind of sitting outside and, um, 
where, and this is where I think, and this is in the episode where they're teaching them, like, you need to break each other's heart, break the girls' hearts, where the show tries to do the gotcha with, uh, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Okanogi, Natsume, and uh, Hisone, and Hisone doesn't really give a shit, and she's like, oh, well, now that you explain, like, they try to do that traditional anime misunderstanding where in, like, another anime this would be, like, a huge fight, and this would be where Hisone's heart is broken over men, and stuff, but instead they talk it out, and she's like, oh, well, that makes sense now. That's, ah, oh, thanks for talking to me, Okanogi. Oh, I didn't even realize um, that could have just been, a, oh, wow, I'm, gl- I'm glad they didn't go that angle. Mario Kata is a smart writer. Thanks, Mari <laughs> and Shinji. Thanks, Mari and Shinji. Um, but she's like, you should, you know, uh, I'm gonna be the Kusabi maid, and you said if I get selected, you can give me anything I want. Now kiss me, you fool! And Okanogi tricks her. Um, and I really like that aspect to Natsume and what you said. Bryce Pappenbrook and Okanogi is the one actor I think you could actually legitimately switch out of this cast and you wouldn't get a different performance. Mm. Like, I, I think it's a really good performance. I think it works really well in subverting the expectation that Bryce Pappenbrook uh, has on a lot of people as Bryce Pappenbrook plays like characters like Aaron and... Uh, Rin from Blue Exorcist who scream and yell and, and stuff. And Okanogi's the quiet guy who's just like, hey, yeah, I, I vape and uh, I smoke, even though I have a baby. I think it was it. It's like, yeah, you're the type of guy who's, uh, even though he has a baby face, he tries to smoke to make himself look like more of a badass. <laughs> and he just immediately kind of looks at her like, oh, fuck, she knows, she can read me like a book. Um, but there is, I guess it might be my own personal expectations of Bryce Pappenbrook where I feel like there was always just and it might just be because this is the way that he talks or this is the way that he acts that there was always somewhat of an unnecessary pep to Okanogi's voice to me where I feel like Okanogi like obviously you've got to fit fit the, the, the lip flaps and stuff and this is a show that is very stylized even for anime um and even for a bone show, this is very stylized. Like it's it's a lot of like bone staff, and I think the character designer is like a major bones guy. But this looks very different from a lot of the other stuff he's different worked from, on. Different from, and it looks very different from a lot of anime this year. This is like this kind of falls more on the Devilman Crybaby spectrum of anime this year, where it is not your traditional big eyes. Um, I would never comp- have thought to compare this to Devilman not- Crybaby. <laughs> I'm not giving it a direct comparison, but I'm saying it's a lot more non-traditional and a little bit more experimental for anime as compared to something like, I don't know, like, just, uh, like, My Hero or, Pick, um, pick any or one of- Golden Kamui. Yeah, like, where a lot of animes have very similar right, styles. Right, right, Um, this feels very different. And I just feel like sometimes Bryce was always a little too energetic for Okanogi, like, I'm not saying Okanogi's a stoner or anything, but I feel like Okanogi has a more, like, would have a more, like, kind of slowed down cadence to his voice. Like, like instead of being like, like I don't know, it's like, like, hey, Amakatsu, like, that kind of voice is more like, hey, Amakatsu, like, I don't feel like it was, a, it was like, an it, like, one inch a little too fast for me. Uh, but I do think it's a really good performance, and I really do like the fact that she... Like, in the sense where I say, like, I feel like I could replace him, but at the same time, it's kind of complicated where it's like, Bryce is a really good choice for this because I think it subverts a lot of other people's expectations of what Bryce Pappenbrook mm-hmm. does. 
So it's kind of this like weird middle ground where you're like, I don't, I don't know really how to feel with it. And maybe that's why I'm a little bit more negative towards him than other actors. But it is still a really good performance. But this is, this is like, like kind of in every cast, there's like, sometimes there's just a, like a take it or leave it performance. And this is kind of the performance. I'm just like, eh, it's there to me. Okay. Like, I don't think it's, like I said, I don't think it's really bad. It's just, it's just kind of there for me. You. So are we good to move on to our first two D? I'm really excited yes. to talk about these two. Yeah. Uh the these two are gonna be fun, and I'm probably gonna kill Andrew again. <laughs> Lily. So we're gonna talk about Liliko uh, Kini, uh, Kinitsuge and Mayumi Hitomi. Liliko is a pilot who is. I have to get the actual things of where they're from. Uh, Liliko is a pilot from Misawa Air Force Base in Amori. Who is very shut in, very quiet. Uh, her tack, her like call name is Jimmy. Her pilot is the dragon Akimi, who essentially is a large propeller plane who has a fucking eye patch for some reason. He has a really the design's really good for that because it kind of looks like he's like uh, he looks like a wandering samurai with like he's got the hat and the eye patch. Yeah. yeah, actually works a I lot. I didn't even that. think about that till you brought it up. But it does look like a like one of those like straw hats and like the eye patch, which looks like one of those like Ronin samurai, which works. Which is really funny because um, one of the things that happens to Liko in the story is that um, Imaishi tries to get. Uh, I'm sorry, Iboshi tries to get her to get dirt on all of the other Deepai by promising her advance uh, advance copies of the manga Kingdom. Because her a, a which is a huge popular manga series in Japan. It is okay, to describe what Kingdom is, Kingdom is effectively the biggest manga in Japan that just has no following in the West. Has no following in the West. Like, I'm sure there's at least... There's gonna be that one guy who's like, I really like Kingdom. Yes. You and... Who else? You're also probably the one guy who thinks that Hybrid Hearts was a good answer. Okay, no, um, no, no, no. That I That's too mean, actually. I think that I mean, is a separate <laughs> audience completely. I mean, like, Funimation also tried their hardest with the anime for Kingdom, but it just... It's a really it ugly looking anime. It feel like it was gonna go anywhere. Wasn't that the dub that they actively tried to hide on their discs? It's too? a ca- Canadian dub. That is the dub that they tried to hide on their discs. I remember Hardy giving it one of his worst dubs of the year award. Uh, but yeah, I, I just find it funny that like, she's only tasked with the job because her asexual ass doesn't care about- <laughs> She basically does it for- she bri- gets bribed She to gets do. bribed to do it because she wants to- And she's- sucks at it oh yeah. she's so bad it's great she sucks at also me when she pilots um akimi she uh basically like kind of sits in a ball which is hysterical um and then the other the other uh deep high we're going to talk about is mayumi hitomi who uh likes some thick with a double c <laughs> who flies her dragon Fudamomo, who's a big hefty boy who takes the form of a cargo plane. By the way, uh, his name means thighs in Japanese, which uh, Mayumi straight up feels up a dude at one point. Okay. Thighs, and she probably touched his Oh, brain. no, she did! She did! Because she immediately says, pretty hard. Hard. And when, when, I, when yeah. that line happened, I'm like, 
she also, I think, has probably one of my favorite moments in the last episode between her and Liliko, where Mirika's like, so, are you gonna go over there and get his guy that guy's number? Nah, I like them when they chase me. <laughs> Girl knows what she wants, and I respect that. I also like the fact that, like, when they're going through the the romance chart of possible suitors, they're like, turns out there's a lot of people on this base who are really into, like, sweet motherly girls, and it's like... They all wanted to fuck Liliko, uh, fuck uh, Mayumi, and she just wasn't having it. So, playing Liliko Kitsunugi is Erika Harlecker, and playing Mayumi Hitomi is Xanthi Wynn. Erika Harlecker you will know as Elysium Vers Alusa in Undala Zero, Ami Kawashima in Toradori. Toradori. I'm sorry, you just <laughs> pronounced Toradori. both of those wrong. Ami? Ami. It's Ami. Kawashima. Yep. Kawashima in Toradora. Mm -hmm. But I did say Elysium Vers Alusa in Aldala Zero. Aldnoa. Aldnoa. It's Aldnoa. I keep on saying Aldano Zero because I get the Aldnoa Zero. My it's apologies. All good. And em and Emmy Iwagawa in Your Line April. Xanthi Wynn plays Menma in Anohana. Hanayo Koizumi in Love Live. And she is also Makuya in Makuya, the place where the fall. Makuya, the place where the Flamis flower bloomed. The other Mario Kata thing. From mm -hmm. this year. Uh, Amon, start us off. Uh, these are some very fine performances. <laughs> I'm sorry, these characters are just delightful. Um, especially just in terms of their performance. Um, I would just start with... Xanath? Uh, uh, Xanth? Xanthi. Xanthi. Xanthi uh, was really fun as Hitome, uh, partially because I am mostly familiar with her from playing... I just blanked out. Who is she in Persona 5? Haru? Ah, uh, Haru. Haru. Yeah, I'm Haru, mostly familiar yeah. with her being Haru, who's also very, you know, very soft-spoken and gentle. Um, but uh, Hitomi's a little more forward, <laughs> and, which was very funny. Uh, but she, I, 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 I liked what she brought to the role. She was, she very much hit that thing of like, you know, she seems, she seems very mature and kind, but she also really likes her dragon. He is so big. <laughs> is he as big as Futumomo? Futumomo, exactly. yeah. Um, no, she was, she was just very charming. She just, she was very, just delightful and very funny in this kind of unobvious, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just very. It's always hard. To, it's hard to talk about why I liked it so much. It was. It was very good in a way that I find hard to like pin down in words. Um, That's I was fair. very happy with it. Um, however, I can describe why I liked um, <laughs> Erica as Liliko a lot more easier. I. She was just hysterical. <laughs> there, 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 there are a lot of show. There are a lot of moments in the show that really made me laugh, but. Top five easy is just Eric as Liliko's looking at the manga pages and Erica just says, well, this looks incredibly suspicious. Oh, well, <laughs> and just keeps going for him. <laughs> and it's like, this is exactly what I want out of this performance. Thank you. This is mm. just, it's like, this, this is, this is clearly a stupid move, but I'm still going to do it. <laughs> there's, there's, there's historical manga to be read. Can't say no to that. There's so much, so many spoilers, so little time. Well, it just made it even better when um, Ibisu's trying to like bribe her, and she's like, "Well, you've already given me 16 pages, and they're only 18 pages in a chapter, so I really like, only need to answer two of these." So like, you're dumb. Oh. 
it's like, oh, I got, I got more. And then she fills up the questionnaire and she gets it back. And it turns out they're just like crappy sketches he drew. I, I think, I don't even think they're crappy sketches. I think they were like pre-designed chapters. Like these are like beta copy chapters. Oh, no, I, know. I, I, I assume that was just shit he made up because that's much funnier to me. Okay, that's fair. Like it's not, it's but I just love, I just love, I've been hoodwinked. <laughs> I know, it was very good. No, I just, she was, she was just very, very funny. Um, okay. I was, I was just very, I was just very pleased with that performance. She, she did a good job of nailing, um, Liliko's kind of weird sleepiness. Um, but also being the weird pep she gets once in a while when something mm -hmm. interests her. And she's not just napping right. with her dragon. Uh, they're, they're cute. They're so cute. Yeah, they're very, they're very cute. Um, alright. Speaking of cute, let's start with, uh, Hitomi. Um, she is sweet, bubbly, and extremely cutesy, but I like that it's just more than just that. There's, like, one of the first episodes you see her actually, she actually gets visibly angry. And she just, like, snaps, like, a bottle in two, basically, because of the way Ellie's treating her dragon, and it makes her, like, visibly upset and uncomfortable. Like, she is sweet and means well and, like, wants to, to get along, like, she's sweet to a dragon, but she's actually, like, somebody you can tell is very uncomfortable and intimidated, like, with, like, the her size, so she feels like she has to be, like, extra sweet in order to just, like, make sure people don't get intimidated by her size, because she is a bigger girl. And that's, like, really interesting. It's one of the things, like, I understand why they couldn't go too much more into it, but I thought that would have been particularly interesting to go into. Nevertheless, I think Xanthi's a huge sweetheart naturally, but I really love a lot of the, the delivery she gives both like the comedic like almost flirtatious way she's dealing with like that one guy or just like the more dramatic stuff on the island where she's dealing with uh being nice to ken who's what his name is at the time as well as like her own personal doubts about like how she actually like dislikes herself when she gets really angry i think xanthi displays a lot of really interesting range and I think it, she does a stellar job. Now let's talk Lilikos, because first off, l everybody's talking about how Okunoki looks like a Osumatsu sibling. Lilikos straight up looks like the gender-bent sister Osumatsu. <laughs> she does! Like, especially she... in the ending credits with the, with the sweater. Also, by the way, since I haven't said it enough, that ending is phenomenal, and it's amazing, and I did not skip it a single time. I love how it's like, I had five seconds, it's like, <laughs> joke's on you, I'm watching it the whole time. Anyways, fuck, fuck you, Netflix. Netflix. Um, but, no, this is really interesting, because this is probably, like, the lowest and quietest range I think I've ever heard out of Erica Harlicker. It's practically indistinguishable from some of her other roles like the only one i can compare it to is maybe her kyoko kirigiri from danganronpa and even that sounds like a little more like feminine and up there this is just like straight up like groggy sleepy i'm too tired to deal with this today and it's really fascinating and she does a fantastic job like 
everything about the way she delivers her lines is like soft and quiet, but it's so humorous and amazing. Like just also, I'll, I'll, just every time she does something, it is a treat. Like she is just so much fun as a character. Like when she's doing a rain dance, or when she's just the rain dance she does is like hum dum dum hum dum hum dum hum dum. It's just so much fun, and it's great. And the sequence where she is just trying to, she's trying to pine for romance stuff is like, hey guys. What, like, when she's trying to fake being social, Hey guys, what kind of men are you into, To, I mean, human man, what are you into? And then now it's like, oh, I'm really into- I like that she had to put, like, human men. Human. Because, um, because you totally know that Mayumi would have said Fumo. Of course, of course. And then now it's like, I really like Iku- Actually, I don't need to know about you. What was that? It's just, just, she is a deadpan humorous creature and like she she doesn't have a lot of dramatic stuff but everything revolving around her in regards to her deadpan and just her interaction she is a perfect foil to interact with any of these characters and i think every time i get to hear her and see her do anything it is a treat like erica harlicker probably is like one of my favorite performances of the show just because a it was this was not a character or performance I was expecting, and B, as somebody who has met her in real life, she is like the single most bubbly human being imaginable. And seeing the range she can take when it comes to being this quiet and groggy and very sleepy and stuff, that's a good performance right then and there, and that is very commendable. A plus to both Xanthi and Erica. Cool. Um I guess I'm going to start with uh, Lilico, because, like, everybody else went the other way. Um, like, like Andrew was saying, her dead er, her deadpan is, like, dead on. And I love how she just carries that over, even when the, even when the character is supposed to kind of show emotions. Like, she still has that deadpan tone to her voice, and it makes, like, it makes the line she says even funnier. Like, getting, uh getting the chapters to kingdom it's just like oh my god that's the chapter of kingdom that hasn't even been released yet like she's trying to show emotion but but can't it's, it's wonderful like i had a wonderful time with it and um xanthi as mayumi like i i like that she played her so gently like both both Mayumi and Haru from Persona 5, I would probably personify as, like, a Pomeranian with a knife in their mouth. But, um... One thing I really appreciate with the performance of Mayumi, though, is... She's kind of a big girl. And I, I really appreciate the fact that they didn't give her the heavy set voice. Like, they actually played it off pretty gently and, like... You don't see that in anime a lot, because they usually play that... Like, like they play a girl's bigness as sort of, like, a joke, and... Like, I, I really like that they... they Xanthi gave Mayumi a voice that kind of accentuated other parts of her personality. Like, her warm, motherly, caring self, and... Like, she, she really likes her dragon, like... And, like... 
She really likes her. Mayumi is best girl. Like let's 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 be honest here. And uh, I'm I'm sorry. What was the name of her dragon? Uh, Futomomo. Futomomo. Yeah, and Futomomo is like the best designed dragon because he's just a big beefy boy. I respect the fact that the most Moe girl in the show is, like, a bigger girl who is basically, like, the mommy kink. <laughs> God, you had to make it weird at the end, didn't of you? Course. Of course. Of course I did. Hey, y'all both of me. I feel that was earned. <laughs> you walked into you that! You walked into the bofa. You, you have no one blaming yourself for that one. You updogged yourself. Okay, fine. I'm done. You're done. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, both both of these performances were really good. I really solidly enjoyed them. Thumbs up. Also, B, I'm really happy you like Futamomo, because I'm not gonna lie that I really kind of want to put you in a Futamomo kegu. That would actually be oh. kind of cool. It would be- I want to hug all it'd of be these adorable. It'd be fucking adorable. Like, I just want to get, like, four of the dub talk guys and put them in the dragon kegus. <laughs> like, I don't know who would be who. I feel like- I feel like Amon would be uh, Lily Ko's. Like, I feel Amon could rock Lily Ko's dragon, uh, Akimi. So, no, I'll start off with uh, Lily Ko. I really like. This is probably one of my favorite Erica Harlika uh, performances uh, because she's just so fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. like, just Lily. There is nothing about Lily. Like, Lily Ko is, like, one of my favorite comedic characters, I think, because she is just so genuine in how deadpan everything is to her. And especially when she's trying to bla get blackmail on all of them, and she's so bad at it. Like, the like Ellie like, and Zaito are basically just, like, outpacing each other in the treadmill. And she's just <laughs> like, yeah, no, there's nothing here. There's nothing go. And she's kind of... And there's nothing going on. And then she just, like, slinks back, like, as a, like a, in, like, cartoonish fashion. And I like, that's the one thing I do want to say, though, is that as a show, Dragon Pilot is, like, very cartoonish. But I like that, and this goes to all of the performance in the show, none of them feel, like, over-the-top exaggerated like a cartoon. Mm -hmm. A lot of this sounds very natural. And even though they're saying things and having kind of unnatural reactions, it doesn't feel like it's outside of what that character feels like. And that's something I really like about Erica as Liliko, and I really like about Xanthi as uh, Mayumi. And Roots really nailed it in that, yeah, Mayumi's a big girl. And actually, one of the things that really hit me watching this show as a big girl myself is that when Mayumi talks about not why she doesn't raise her voice, because she doesn't want to scare people. And she doesn't want to turn people away from her because people associate big girls with being big, loud, and angry. It's a stereotype. Especially when you're on a base full of guys who, one, don't know Mayumi. Two, are kind of liking her because they're, like, they're she's, like, the ideal, like, this girl will come and nurture me and take care of me. It's, this is going to sound really weird. You guys, we've all seen Mulan before, yeah, right? Yes. Um... She essentially is all three of the things in what a girl worth fighting for is kind of talking about. Huh. Okay. It's like, I want her paler than the moon with eyes that sun like star. I want a girl who something and wipe my battle scars. But I think she's like, I think his name is like Chun Po's one. Uh, I don't care what she looks like. I only care about what she cooks like. Where they all want someone to like take care of them like their moms. But they want that to be their wives. 
And I think that Xanthi has a lot of nuance in her performance too. Also, B, she's the first one who calls out L on her attitude. Yeah. And that's one of the things I really got in Xanthi's performance too is this is also going to be a really weird metaphor. She's like a horse girl. Okay, a that's an interesting girl. thing to bring up because they actually okay. do, they do bring you up her backstory. To... Do I have to explain what horse girl means to Andrew? I Andrew, have, have you ever heard the stereotype that, like, the girls who raise horses... Like, do you know what the saddle club is? What? Oh, boy. The saddle club was a show from... A, a show from my childhood about a bunch of girls and boys who... Like, were at this stable and raised different types of horses... <laughs> Chris Hemsworth was in it. Yep. Oh, where are you going with this? Mayumi is a horse girl, but with dragons. She will do anything for her dragons, and all dragons are good, and they can do no evil. And you are a fucking monster if you believe that they are an object, not a living creature. And she will cut a bitch. To okay, them. now I think I'm understanding this better. Is that she is like a full on like the animal they raise is their life and their their child. Yes, I actually. Yes. And that's why she. I'm, I'm sorry. Just a sec. I um. I do kind of like that you brought that up because um, they do actually go into her backstory in one of the early episodes where she shows up. She was basically a zookeeper before she became a deepai, and she was basically chosen because all of the dangerous animals would flock around her and be incredibly gentle towards her. I missed that. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. I I I, th I believe that was a thing, but. I would, I would also, that also explains why she probably was insulted by Call, Elle, because it's like, Elle I said, I'm a pilot, not a zookeeper. Okay, that, that definitely explains that, yeah. Which, by the way, zookeepers are fucking baller. Have you seen some of the animals we keep in zoos? Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Um, like, the, the videos of the lions uh, with, like, the little dachshunds playing around with them, those are great. Yo, she probably has, like, or, every like, single, like, carnivorous big cat known to a man that basically just brings her squeaky toys. It's like, okay, what are we kidding? Have you ever- A cat is a cat no matter how big if it, it is. If it fits, I sit, works for everything. I, now I imagine- Now I imagine Futamomo doing that. <laughs> but that being said, are we good to move on to the next step? Oh my uh, yes. god, he does with the battleship. <gasps> yes! Oh yeah, he does! He just sits on the battleship. He just like flops down and- the boat kind of like half goes up in the air. You're just like, oh god, child. But no, I also, but seriously, Xanthi and Erica did great. Um, especially Xanthi, and I really do appreciate it as a big girl that she did not do the big fat whale mm -hmm. voice. Um, that being said, so now we're gonna move on to the the next two D pie. Now Kaisa Kaizaki and El Hoshino. Now is another member of the Gifu Air Force Base who is essentially uh, Hisone's backup D pie. She is a little bit, te she is testy, she is a bit of a gremlin. She tries to be really mean to get Hisone to leave, <laughs> but you, but it fails because Hisone thinks that she's being really nice to her. She like trades food and, and it's like, I didn't like that food. I actually like this much food. better. I love, this is my favorite radio drama and oh God, you're being so nice. And this is where the whole, um, I'm going to support her like I support. <laughs> Like a yogurt supports my intestines. I think I actually have the full line. Uh, the line is, I will support her like this yogurt supports intestinal environs. 
Uh, but you find out that Nao's mom was a DPI at one point. Uh, she becomes a backup DPI thanks to his special suit, uh, made by the creepy fashion guy. And she has the, uh, call name of Sexy Jaguar. Which they don't reveal until, like, the one time she actually, like, takes the, takes the dragon up. To, to help, yeah, to help out, um, Masota because he's getting too hot. Mm -hmm. And El Hoshino is a DPI from uh, Tsukiki Air Force Base in Fukuoka. By the way, I missed that. Uh, Mayumi is from the uh, Iruma Air Force Base in Saitama. Um, but essentially, El Hoshino is... Uh, it was her dream to become the first fighter pilot, hence why her name is Penguin. She wants to be the brave first penguin that takes a dive into the ocean. However, she becomes a DPI as her dragon picks her, and she basically sees him as a tool or an object. Uh, and basically, at one point, keeps him as a fighter plane until they kind of get castaway and she pulls her head out of her ass. Um, she then kind of falls. She falls for um, Zaito. Zaito. Zaito breaks her heart. Uh, but by the end, she does kind of hit that she's going to get back with Zaito. Her dragon is known as uh, Norma because F2 sounds like Futatsu, which means normal in English. Uh, it is the scariest looking of the dragons. Uh, that being said, now uh, Kazaki is played by Sarah Ann Williams, and El Hoshino is played by Caitlin Galt. Sarah Ann Williams, you will know as Sayako Miki in Puella Magi Madoka Magica. Non Non Jacuzere, I believe yep. that's her full name, from Kill the Kill. And she is <laughs> Lisbeth in Sword Art Online, aka the best part of any Sword Art Online's blooper reel. You just cut out for a lot of that, and I just heard the best. Which, honestly, yeah. Best part of Sword Art Online's Booba Reels. Holy shit, you're so slow, Mercer! <laughs> That's great. God, will you two just fuck already? Um, Caitlin Galt, you'll know as Strum in Grand Blue Fantasy the Animation, both Professors Badcock and Nelson in Little Witch Academia, and of course, Troll Incarnate herself, Fenico in Agrotko. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 why don't you start us off here, buddy? Uh, I like both of these performances quite a bit. Um, I'll start with Elle, because Elle's a little bit of a piece of work when she starts out, she gets better. Um, I, I like I like the intensity Caitlin brought to the role. I thought she did a very good job of uh, for for showing like you know Elle, Elle takes her job very seriously. Um, although she's maybe not not a great fit for the whole flying a dragon thing as we see. Um, but you know, and, and when, but especially when she comes around, I think she has to play more to the character's softer side. I thought she kept up um making what l making keeping up what makes l interesting in that regard as far as like kind of learning to view uh, her dragon as like a a, a creature like a, a partner rather than just like this tool she has to use um and also a lot of her interactions with um what's his face are funny and sad mostly because you know she just gets a smack in the face a lot because he's kind of <laughs> kind of the, kind of the worst and he usually deserves it whether whether he's doing it on purpose or not, um, yeah, no, I I I enjoyed I enjoyed her before, and she was a lot of fun, uh, and I, I I enjoyed her sort of uh, steely coolness even after she kind of warms up to people and stops being such a hard ass all the time. Um, but I really liked um, Sarah and Williams's now just because that was really funny. <laughs> it it started it started with her trying to be all tough, and then Asani's like, "You look like a child." How are you getting away with that non-regulation haircut on his face? Really? 
I don't understand. <laughs> and it just sort of goes from there. Her like, I'm going to be mean to her. And she's actually accidentally very nice to her. And it's it's weirdly sweet, their their relationship and, and how now kind of becomes this woman's friend, kind of despite her own best efforts. <laughs> uh, and Sarah's just very funny throughout. Like, she does a very good job of... Um, just sort of making now kind of just obnoxious enough, but also like very, very like endearing despite that. Um, yeah, she's just a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, to describe now quickly, there is a Pro ZD video out there of a villain who tries to do bad thing, but accidentally does really nice things in the process. That is what now is at the start of this show, is that she tries doing what seem like childish things like, oh, I'm gonna make it so she can't sleep, so she's gonna be tired. I'm gonna change her food out to something she doesn't like and it's like oh my god i love this drama too oh my god this food i actually really like this food i didn't like that other thing and like the one time she actually does almost go too far she gets scolded and told nope that's a bad which i thought was actually like nice to know that like she can be told off before these limits and the gradual development between these two is really sweet, and I love their relationship. As for Sarah Ann Williams, Sarah Ann Williams, I, a couple of these characters I have, at least a couple L pages, not a couple pages, That's I'm not that detailed. I have at least a couple sentences, or at least a paragraph of notes for at least a lot of the central characters. Now it's literally just, Sarah Ann Williams is really fucking good. Period. Basically, just... She sounds like this childish, angry gremlin, and it's perfect for the character. You sometimes hear her get a little more lovey-dovey when Ikushima's involved, but I love the relationship with her and uh, Hisone, and I love how she comes to help her out and actually probably be one of the biggest supporters in her corner, both her, Okonoki, and Masutan, and the way she realizes she doesn't have to be a pilot to be make a difference and she discovers that like she has this passion for being a caretaker and engineer of the planes and otfs is really cool and like that she doesn't need to be in her mother's shadow and find her own path and she finds it on her own instead of being told this is what you're good at and i think that is really cool L is really interesting, and probably, like, very, like, I'm very unfamiliar with Caitlyn outside of, uh, Fenico, and this is a very different role from Fenico. She is the badass, tomboy, stern, soldier-type character, but you see a lot more of the facade cracking when she fails the operation, and when she's trying to prove she doesn't need the dragons to be a competent pilot, a pilot... It works really well, and there's this sign of frustration where you understand exactly where this character is coming from on the island. I'm I, I feel like this is something Megan's going to say. I'll talk a lot about in her in her discussion, but I just wanted to share the full line because I thought it was worth sharing. Uh, for a woman, if you fail or show any signs of weakness, the men talk crap about how women are born that way. 
I did my best to become an F2 pilot. And just, you understand the frustration, the struggle this character's gone to prove their path. And, like, you hear it all in her tone of voice. You hear the anger and the sincerity and the sweetness in all of it. And I think Caitlyn does a fantastic job, and Ellie's a really interesting character and, and see her she's probably like one of the most developed characters like of the group of otf pilots and i thought that was really interesting uh yeah so let's go i'm, I'm gonna take care of now first because now is actually the easier the quicker one of these to talk to you uh sarah ann williams plays a great gremlin who becomes less of she she is like the equivalency of eat a snickers you'll feel better um but no now is such a fun interesting character in that she starts out being such such a little bitch like she is the bitch not a brat she is a straight up bitch to to hisone but she does become a better person not only because she comes to empathize with hisone herself and i think sarah williams uh gets that as a character but because she comes to learn to love masotan in a different way than uh hisone does and i think that sarah williams speech to um the character, oh god, I keep messing up, uh, Ikushima is where I think Sarah Williams is at her best in this show. Where she's like, yeah, no, I'm never gonna be a normal DPI. Like, I'm not a DPI. That's, that's it. I know it's not happening ever. Masotan and, I will never have Masotan and Hisone's relationship. But I also have my own relationship with him where I don't want to see him suffer and he's in pain right now. I want to do the best to help him out. And it's so sincere and it's so refreshing in that I think now and Hisone are a little more similar than they'd like to realize about themselves. And I think that, that there's this level in Sarah's performance. And I always love when I get to talk about Sarah Williams because I don't feel like I ever get to enough because she is such a great actress. And she does play a lot of these, these characters like Non Non and Lisbeth who are kind of like... Yeah, they're there, but Elizabeth is Elizabeth, like most of the rest of Sword Art Online, is about as shallow as a kiddie pool. And Non Non, at best, is kind of this weird antagonistic side character. She is not a character that gets a lot of depth uh, as uh, compared to characters like Ryuko or Satsuki. Uh, this is this is probably one of my favorite Sarah performances outside of Sayaka from Madoka Magica, who is probably about as deep as now is as a character. And I'm happy that Sarah Williams got this kind of very large part in the supplemental cast. And then Caitlin Galt as El Hoshino is just fantastic. There is so much going on as, with this character who, for all intents and purposes, gets to be a big mouthpiece for a lot of things. Caitlin's character, now El as a character, is a big character that is a big mouthpiece for a lot of political stuff, like socio political stuff. And it's true. Now has to, unfortunately, out of all of the characters outside of Hisone, um, reap the reap the repercussions of being a woman in the Air Force. And unlike Hisone, who I think is kind of oblivious to all of it, or just she's not the type of person who really cares and kind of brushes it off, now Elle holds that so close to her heart and on her shoulder, and that's something I can really empathize with. And I think Caitlyn brings that believability to the performance. Like, you know this girl. Like, even if the guys say, like, I don't know a woman as bitchy as Elle. 
uh, in my workplace. You do. You know that girl who walks around with a chip on her shoulder. And I think that Caitlyn really nails that aspect of it. And I like to see her, that she is a lot more stoic than the other girl. She's not deadpan like Lilico, but she is more stoic until she obviously gets drunk and the scenes where she gets drunk and cry are great. Uh, but I, I really love this performance and it's so nice, especially to be a foil to not only Hisone at times, but also to someone like Mayumi or to like uh, now or now. So uh, Roots, go ahead. And I'm so sorry I stepped over you. Don't worry about it. Um, what I really like about Elle and uh, Caitlin Gall's performance, like Andrew, like I basically found out about her through Agretzko and Fenico. So hearing like this side of intensity to her performance is like, this is something I haven't heard from her yet, and it's it's great. Like she, it's it's sort of present through her entire presence on the show, but it it softens a little bit as she starts to get to know the rest of the Deepai. She starts to get a little more familiar with uh, Norma, and but it's it's still it's still kind of there. She gets. She gets a lot of really good foils, as as Megan said, um, through um, through Zaito, through Mayumi, through Hisone, and and even now every now and again, like she gets a lot of characters to play her sort of aggression off of. Like she she knows what she wants, and she's gonna get it no matter how. No matter what she needs to do, like she, she has something to prove. Being a woman trying to be a fighter pilot, and she feels that any mistake she makes is a game ender. So she needs to be perfect all the time. And like, you get this. Caitlin Gold's performance is something where you get the sense that she is slowly starting to break, and when she does. Like, it is... It's something. And... I really like Sarah Ann Williams' as now. Mainly because she's a couple steps down from the, uh... Team 4-star Machina abridged of Final Fantasy VII as Tifa. Okay, it's... I think it's Machina Bridge is how they Machina pronounce bridged. it. okay. And, and yes, I do... I, I, I was... I was debating on bringing it up myself, but I get a lot of the very high-pitched angry Tifa noises from this performance, and that's funny. Yeah, mainly mainly in the beginning before she and uh, Hisone start to get along. Alright. And, like, I, I think now gets one of the better character arcs of the show, where she she's established as Hisone's rival, and then when she realizes that she's not gonna get what she wants, she finds a new path to getting something at least out of the deal. And like that's like someone like me, that is that is the kind of story you can kind of really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like that Sarah Williams is able to keep up with Now's character progression. Like, the angry sort of mellows off, and she... Like, it's still sort of there, as she has to call out certain 
certain people every now and again, but it's it's just a really good performance. So both of them did like a spectacular job. All right, so are we ready to move on? Yes. Yep. Let's do it. All right, so we are at our final character. Finally, I know it's been a long time coming. One Miss Hisone Amakasu, our millennial blunt wonder who has the pilot of Masotan, who at the beginning she calls Otofu, Otifu, because it sounds like OTF, but then she finds the plaque inside his tummy and learns that his name is Masotan. And she does, she's a, she's a fun character. She's blunt. She licks her dragon to blonde with him, which is adorable as shit. And she has the world's most relatable moment for when she realizes that she's crushing on somebody. (laughs) There is. I, I lost my garbage in that scene. Like, I was pissed I was not ready. That was. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, just. Like the screaming goat. There's voice. a lot. There's there's a lot to talk about this character. Let's get into it. Oh god. So playing Hisone Amakasu is Christina Marie Cabanos. Christina Marie Cabanos, you will know as Madoka Kaname in Puella Magi Madoka Magica, Nina Klein in Aldno Zero, and Pisty in Magi. Amon, start us off. Yeah, no, this this was this was one of the highlights of the show for me. Um, I know I said earlier that I relate to the other end of the anime millennial spectrum, but uh, I I found a lot relatable at Hesone too. I think I think the moment I knew I was going to like this performance was at the beginning when she's like being chastised for not saying that she doesn't want to be a pilot early, and she's like, "I tried to say no on fifteen different occasions, and you ignored me every single time." And that and the rant that followed just. It's beautiful. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever gone to like loving a character that much so quickly. Yeah, no, it was just really well done and just very funny. And I like the lightness she managed to bring to the role all the time, um, even during like the heavier moments. And I don't know, it was just it was just really fun to listen to. And I liked like the weird licking noise she made whenever she was licking her dragon. Uh, that was always just a delight to hear. You're super slimy and tastes like chlorine, but I forgive you. That with all the other stuff we've talked about, it was just it was all really well done. I really enjoyed it. It was very good. Okay. Like it? Yeah. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Uh there's a lot to go into the actual character of Hisone, but for the sake of this and for the sake, uh, I think, of somebody else who's going to want to go a lot into her, I'm just going to keep this strictly to Christine Cabanos at the moment because she is such a natural fit for this character. And she fills her with so much energy and charm, but also, like, a level of, like, hidden frustration and genuine, like, heartbreaking self-deprecation. She is simultaneously, like, a bit of a goofy character, but she is understandably, like, blunt. And when she gets annoyed and frustrated, like, this is somebody who is an adult 
who is just kind of trying to make it through the shit that's thrown at them. But even then, when something gets thrown a little too hard at them, like flying out, oh, you're the only one chosen to fly this dragon who's actually a plane. She's like, okay, no, I did not sign up for that. This is not what I was trained to do. You did not give me this job. This is a, this is a violation of at least several laws. This is bullshit. I'm out of here. She eventually comes around, but still. There's just... Everything about her performance is amazing. And just... There's so many great moments where she just... She makes me laugh. Like, when she gets drunk and calls uh, Okunoki a mean... Meanie McMeanerson. And, like, when they're on the date and she's, like, impersonating the zombie. She's like, your braids are... Blah, 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 blah. Like, uh. But she's also, like, probably one of the most compelling and really fascinating leading characters i've seen in a show i think probably all year i don't think she's the most compelling but she's she's way up there for me who would you say right now is the most compelling uh can i say uh the girl from a place further than the universe which one you know which one i mean oh shiraishi Sh shiraishi yeah but no, she is like Christine Cabanos and Hisone. They are such a natural fit for each other. Like Hisone and Masatan and yogurt and intestinal environments. They just fit so naturally together. And it was, uh, it was an absolute delight. I loved every second of it. Also, I'd like to mention Rin and Shiemi are canon. Huh? Rin and Shiemi. Oh! I see what you did there. Thank you. I'm glad. I see what you did there. All right. Oh, Roots. oh it's, it's my turn. I'm, I'm sorry. I kind of got a little distracted there. Um, Christine Marie Cabanos as Hisone. I really like the, like, extremely high levels of pep and energy she gives to the character. It's... Like, it, it's refreshing, and, like, I I love how she does the, like, the external-internal monologuing. It, it's just so funny. I Like, I get a chuckle from it every time I see it. And I, I really like the fact that she gets a really good story arc to her, and, like, a lot of bad things happen around her. And she just keeps that that warmth and energy and pep to her that just infects everybody around her. And I I really like the fact that uh, Chrissy Marie Cabanos was just able to translate that so well. And a lot of that I I do also have to uh, I also have to give a nod again to the script writing, particularly for her because there's a lot of moments in the uh in the dub where they had to presumably edit a lot of the Japanese wordplay particularly around her character because I like the the meanie meanie McMeanerson thing like I'm I'm sure that was something in the original Japanese that they had to uh make had to interpret in a way that like Americans and everybody would get and 
Like, it, it all worked really well, and I like her interactions with Masotan. I like her interactions with uh, Haruto. Now, like, everybody. She's just... She's like a that warm presence in the show that's just... Like, everyone just gravitates towards her, and it's it's great. It's wonderful. Thumbs up to Chrissy Marie Cabanos. All yep. right, am I good to go? All you. Man, this is probably my favorite Christina Marie Cabano's performance. There is nothing wrong with her Hisode performance at all. It is funny. It is charming. It is deadpan when it needs to be. It is sarcastic when it needs to be. It is energetic when it needs to be. It is childish when it needs to be. She literally fights a like 15-year-old girl for a grown man's honor. By going, oh yeah, when you're gone, we're gonna do a lot of making out. Like, who the fuck does that? And it's her way what? of trying to make sure the kid doesn't die. Have... Doesn't do something stupid. And and I think for me, though, one of my favorite moments of the show is the very end where um, she she kind of has this... And it's the most adult you will hear his Sony be in the whole show. And it's, don't worry guys, I grab the bell. Uh, I'm just going to go in here and uh, stab the thing. It, it's just physics, right? Uh, uh, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to take care of this. Um, and they're like, don't do it. And she's like, well, like, signed up to do this. So uh, don't worry. I got Masa's home with me. Uh, see you guys in a few. And then she goes down there and she uh, she goes, okay, Masatan, I'm going to throw this in here and you're just going to leave me. Okay, boy? And then she puts it in there and she like freaks out. She's like, oh, God, did I do it right? And Masaton's there, like, and he covers her up, and and I don't know if they just used the Japanese audio, or if somebody else came in and did all the little Masaton noises and all the other dragons, to which I appreciate you if you did that, whoever you were. Um, but just, Christina Cabanos' performance is so great. But the moment I think that it actually turned for me, like, I was at first, like, hesitant about it until, until the end of episode 8. I believe it's the end of 8 or 9. Where uh, Natsume's like, You like Okanogi! And she finally... And it, like all the lights come on upstairs. And she just starts screaming. <laughs> and runs away screaming. And she's like... Ah! And, like just Christina Cabano's just scream was so good. And it's such a weird thing to compliment. Um... But I, I I loved it. It was phenomenal. And with that, or let's just move into our final thoughts. Amon, start us off. Uh, this is probably one of the best dubs I've heard this year on all accounts. And I'm not quite set to say it's one of my favorite dubs ever just because of recency bias, but it is a strong contender for that as well. Uh, if you have a Netflix account, go watch this immediately. Uh, Andrew. Uh, this is a show I've been waiting to watch for some time now because I figured this was going to be very much my cup of tea and it was but in a lot of different ways like it is very cute girls in very cute dragons doing plain stuff and doing a lot of creative things with that but it's also a really like gripping narrative it goes a lot of interesting places and if this was a week-to-week -week show there's probably be a lot of speculation about what's going on or who's gonna be what because there's a lot of like little snippets dropped between each episode and that's really interesting to me i think like this is a show that surprised me in a lot of ways by tackling a lot of things like 
military sexism and like the desire to put oneself before their country or or like their own desires and like finding out who they are or what they want to be and also being a show with cute girls that make really funny faces and also big cute dragon boys and it's just so charming and pleasant like if i was to say anything like this is almost like a Pixar anime, if I was to describe it as anything. Like, it, it, it's, it's got some adult themes and things in like that, but there's... This feels like it is like a theatrical, like, tale. And it's really interesting. You could, you could tell, like, Higuchi, Mario Kata, and the people at Bones who are working on this. This was like... This was somebody's passion project, and it I think it succeeded. And the dub is stellar like there's a lot of great great performances great dialogue things and just i love all these characters like some of them are funny and interesting and compelling and some of them are like scarily relatable that like you identify with much more than you'd expect to and it this is a lot of rambling now, but my point is this show gets a thumbs up for me. This dub gets another thumbs up for me. I'm frustrated I had to wait six months to watch it, but boy, was it worth it. Okay, um, okay, one quick little thing I want to say, um, like, this show, it involves a JSDF and a lot of anime... Who that use the JSCF as like a backdrop tend to fall into one of two camps: either the the sort of jingleistic rah 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 go go like gate, gate. so gate basically gate yeah and um, I'm glad it kind of went the other way, which considering Shinji Higuchi and Shin Godzilla, I'm not surprised. Where they're just sort of a group of people who at the end of the day, try to put Japan's best interests at heart. Like, <clears throat> that's... Like, I know some people are going to be put off by the presence of the military in an anime, but, like, don't worry about it. It's... Like, this is actually a pretty nuanced take on it. And actually a pretty interesting critique in a couple areas, yeah. Yeah. And I I really like all of the characters put into place. The the designs are great. The story arcs are great. The dub is great. This is a great show. Go check it out. It's on Netflix. You probably have an account. Your buddy probably has an account if you don't. Go ahead. Stop this episode now. Watch it. Have fun. Use that one favor of that really dumb thing you did for them that one time and be like, give me your password. You owe me. Yeah, right. pretty much. But yeah, good dub is good. Good show is good. Go check it out. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna try to be quicker about this. This is a show that really uh, speaks to me in a lot of ways. Um, this is probably one of my favorite anime that has come out this year in a year that has had a lot of really strong anime. Um, this is probably one of my favorite dubs that have come out this year. There are a couple little nitpick things that will. Uh, when it comes down time to pick the dubbies, it's going to be a a big thing of, hey, we got to, we got to like seriously sit down and look at what we're doing. Choices um, have to be made. Choices will have to be made. I think that the direction on this show is impeccable. Um, 
Carrie Keenan should be allowed to direct more dubs outside of Gundam Seed in this. Um, she is one of the, if we did a directors to watch, like we did voice actors to watch, um, she would be high up on my list. Along with a certain act, uh, a certain actor in the Texas pool who is directing certain things that we may or may not talk about this year, depending on what happens. Um, I think that the show is, um, a show that I would encourage, um, a lot of people to watch even if they aren't anime fans, because it is a little bit more approachable um, despite its darker themes and what it's talking about. Um, overall, it's, again, solid thumbs up in the dub department, solid thumbs up in the anime department, even if you are not a dub watcher. Um, like I said, if you do want to watch the Dragon Pilot, Hisone, and Masatan, you can do it on Netflix in both sub, dub, and multiple other languages. Please pick the language choice that you are um, preferring. Um, Obviously, if you want to follow us here, you can follow us at the Dub Talk Podcast. We have a Twitter, uh, a Facebook, well, no, we don't have a Facebook, a Twitter, Tumblr, a Twitch account that we will try to use. Um, and because whenever I host an episode, I keep forgetting to do this. Uh, we also have a coffee account. If you like to donate to us, please donate below. Um, just for the sake of time, uh, that's Amandul. You can follow him at US on Twitter. Uh, he talks about the sealed songs, posts pictures of his adorable OTF cricket. Um, do you have a song for us tonight, really quick? Uh, I don't have anything in specific, but I'm going to encourage you all to check out the uh, old French pop genre, Ye Ye, which is what the ending song is. Um, go to the Wikipedia page, check out more stuff by Francis Gall, that kind of thing. Thank you. Uh, just, just to be a pain in the ass and kind of a, a shithead, you should also listen to Highway to the Danger Zone. Danger Zone! Of course. <laughs> If you want to follow that one, he is at Roots of Justice on Twitter. Hi. Uh, he posts pictures of pugs, uh, talks about how Kingdom Hearts keeps kicking his ass. Uh, uh, if you want to follow that one. <laughs> You're so close, but so far. I can't even dent him. If you want to talk to that one, where he is a moderator on the Funimation boards and forums, as well as does uh, another podcast, Us. Surreal Resolution? Uh, podcast ONA on Surreal Resolution. Also, podcast I have a yeah. name other than that one, by the way. Fine. If you want to follow that one, it's Ma An Andrew. He is at MangaMan9000 on Twitter. Uh, he is a dirty, dirty boy. Thank you. Sorry. That's nah, fine. Uh, and if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Queener2 on Twitter. Um, and I also hang out on the Discord. Uh, with that being said, this episode's gone on long enough. I want to thank you all for listening. And everybody say goodnight. Good night, good night everybody. And it's time for us to fly to the skies. Thank you for flying Dragon Airlines. The exits are to your left. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. to bye -bye. the danger zone. Bye-bye. Danger zone. Oh, come on. You've ruined his Star Tours joke. Aw, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Please note that if the blindfolds and earplugs come down for your little ones, put them on in an orderly fashion, saving yourself for last if you're a little bitch. <laughs> Fuck, I gotta do that over again. <laughs> I'm on, have fun with this! <laughs>